This episode of the MJ Cast is brought to you by Instacart, the best personal shopping and delivery service available to our listeners in the United States and Canada. Whether you're self-isolating during COVID, needing some last-minute groceries to finish cooking a delicious family dinner, getting some holiday grocery supplies ready, or want to surprise a friend with a delivery, Instacart is a convenient, inexpensive, and reliable option for getting the items you need right away. Give Instacart a try by going to themjcast.com slash Instacart and discover the magic of personal shopping. The following is a presentation from the MJCast, the internet's premier podcast on all things Michael Jackson. I'm a black American. I am proud of who I am. Together, we can make a change in the world. I want to see you! I like to take sounds and put them on the microscope. There's a driving bass, you become the bass. Let the music write itself. I don't sing it if I don't mean it. <laughs> Welcome to the MJ Cast, your source of news, discussion, and interviews on the King of Pop. Hey Q, welcome back to the MJ Cast. Why, hello, Jamin. It is Q from the olden days of the MJ Cast Wireless. I've come back from the olden days, and I'm now in the future. <laughs> it's been a minute. It's been a long decade of many different exciting things. <laughs> I'm not sure I would describe 2020 as exciting, but, uh, well, in some ways it has been. The last month has been. Oh, my God. Jamin, hello. I'm back. Thank you for having me back. Finally, we've tried this about, like, what, 57 times? We have. We have. The the uh, the idea was not to wait 11 months for you to come back on the MJ cast, but... Uh... No. <laughs> We've had a, uh, we have had a few things lined up, like doing show notes and episode prep together. We've had all of that, like for the history roundtable, which turned out amazing. I was going to be on that initially, and I gave up my place to much cooler voices and better people for that sort of scenario and um we were meant to record last weekend with a guest but you've had a week of crazy hell so we Mm. luckily got to postpone that guest so that would be cool but yeah we've we've tried this a few times and finally in november (laughs) end of november (laughs) 22nd of november crazy here we are here we are and there's been quite a bunch of news going on in the past well we haven't done a regular episode in ages so there there's been like a backlog yeah what is this like the second (laughs) regular episode this year i think it might be the third yeah that's also not intentional either i would have liked to have done one or two more throughout the year but Oh, you know, things have gotten the way. So this this episode's kind of odd because there's actually This is like... a real special episode because it's <laughs> bloody special. <laughs> exactly. You're gonna rebrand all your specials as the regulars Normal. and this is a special. <laughs> yeah, the normals and this is a special. <laughs> I mean, there there has been a crazy amount of news going on. So in this show we won't be covering all the news. That's just impossible. So there's a bunch of things that have happened that we probably won't discuss. One of those being the whole HBO court case thing, um, which I really am not educated on anyway. But there's great places you can go to learn about all that that stuff. So this is not all the news, but it's the most important news from the past few months, I guess. Well, it's also some of the most recent. Like when I first opened up the notes, there was stuff in there from 
I don't know, like a million months ago that I was like, oh yeah, that happened. But I'm glad you sort of, <laughs> I'm glad you edited some of that really, really old stuff out because everyone would have been like, what are you jabbering on about? That happened in a hundred years ago. Yeah, yeah, you're totally right. You're totally right. So unfortunately, though, we've got to kind of begin this episode with something that's a little bit sad, don't we? Yeah, sad news of the last week. That was, um, that happened quickly, I guess, and that was not good news. Yeah, so Bruce Swedean, um, who was Michael's principal studio engineer, passed away at the age of 86. Incredibly sad. This man was absolutely fundamental to Michael Jackson's solo work. They started working together in the late 70s, I think for the Off the Wall album. I'm not sure if they if Bruce was engineering the um the Wiz songs, he might have even done that, but they started in the late 70s and worked all the way right through till the early 2000s and it's such a devastatingly sad piece of news that came out this week. Uh, Bruce passed away, I believe in Florida. Um, which is his home state in the US. And it's still a little unclear exactly what from, but he was diagnosed with COVID, uh, I think, a couple of weeks before his passing. So I'm assuming it's that. Uh, But we really just don't know for sure at this stage. Do we know if his beautiful wife, B is also sick at all? I'm not sure, to be honest. I know that Bruce's two girls, he's got two two, um, daughters, one of them is speaking quite a bit online. I don't actually follow their social media accounts, to be honest, but I think one of his daughters is sort of the place to go to find out the latest on the Swedean family. But, um, yeah, I do hope his wife, B is is well. Of course, she must be grieving terribly right now for her husband. But um, yeah, it is just so sad. And, and I've seen a lot of fans online on Twitter and, and different places really reflecting this week on the importance that that he had in Michael's career. Huge, huge, huge. Like even on my social media, I've been um, seeing like just other, so many other artists and music publications just like talking about Bruce's legacy and his impact on the the music industry as a, as a whole. Australian artist up in Darwin, Jordan Ravi, he was like uh, tweeting in his stories about the passing of Bruce and I was like messaging him on Instagram about how a huge part that he played in production. He was he was not only an icon but he was he was at the top of the game. He was like leading the way and so many engineers and artists looked up to him yeah absolutely i believe there's a great quote by quincy jones where he says something to the effect of never wanting to work with any other engineer because there's just only one engineer that can do it to the level bruce can and i heard a wonderful interview with bruce last night too on on youtube where he was sort of describing the sonic shift that took place in the late 70s where all the recordings that took place before he started to get into engineering were all, um, I can't remember how he described it, but it was something like recordings were like uh, pure point-in-time recordings of what a song sounded like in the studio, whereas when he came along, there was a revolution in engineering where artists were experimenting with putting sounds on the record that you could never really make in real life, which we think of now, we take that for granted, like with electronic music and hip-hop and sampling and all of that, but 
in the late 70s when Bruce came to the game, that was a true revolution in music and artistry. And he that's what excited him and got him into the studio. And uh, a lot of people sort of discuss him and Michael and Quincy as being sort of the, you know, the A-team or the holy trinity of, uh, <laughs> of music and the fact that they did Off the Wall Thriller and Bad together as a unit of three is just, uh, I don't know, his legacy will forever be entwined with, you know, Thriller and Michael's absolute zenith as an artist. I also saw a tweet this week where someone hadn't even realised, uh, and lucky I went and I had the CD, so I dug out the um, the little booklet that he actually even... Uh, helped do production for the uh, Michael Jackson Unity tribute album. Remember that Latin oh, yeah. album that came out back when we first started the the MJ cast. He he's credited yeah. on that as well. Yeah, he he's very instrumental um, with a lot of projects around Michael. He he even we we've got um, friends that that worked with him in the studio and knew him to some degree. Dan Vigilobos did a beautiful post on Instagram, which I'm sure you've seen talking about his time i think uh dan got to spend some number of days with bruce in the studio learning because dan of course is a studio engineer himself and producer so he he got to learn from bruce firsthand bruce was very generous with his time uh for a lot of fans i i feel very uh, um i do feel sad that we never got to speak to bruce we did try to reach out i'm sure didn't we q Oh, back in the early days as well, but he was a busy man. But from mm. what I heard from and saw from many people, he was so, like you just said, so open and generous with his time. Anyone that had his number in the studio could basically just call him like 24-7 and he, he would pick up. He would pick up and have the time for people. Um, I'm glad that he got to film for... Marcos Carbotta's documentary. Oh, yeah. How much more special is that going to be now? Oh, so special. You know, that was a huge foundation for that upcoming documentary. So yeah. that's going to be really a really beautiful film to see when it comes out. His daughter, I think her name's Roberta, actually. She said in a comment after his passing that her father wanted to be remembered for a particular recording that he did with Michael. And that recording is the song Earth Song. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's the one he looks back on and says, that's, you know, the one that I want to be remembered for. So that's the song I'm going to be having on heavy rotation. I didn't know that until today, but I'm going to play it a lot today. Cool. Yeah, that will be really fitting and that will be a beautiful and powerful song to remember Bruce by. So rest in peace, Bruce. Uh, Thank you for your contribution to not only Michael's legacy, which would not be what it is without Bruce, but for the music industry as a whole and um, my thoughts and prayers and strength to, to be and his daughters and all those that loved him. Absolutely. So moving on in the news, uh, Michael Jackson has again taken the top place as earning the uh, most money, so the highest paid deceased celebrity of this year, 2020. I guess it's been a tough year for across the industry and for a lot of people with uh, earning potential has probably been impacted across every industry, especially the entertainment industry. 
but uh, Michael took out the top place again, which he's done every year, hasn't he? He's every year since he's passed, he's been the number one. He has been. He's totally been number one since he passed away. There's a couple of years, I think, when you look back at all the Forbes, because I think it's Forbes that does this yearly kind of roundup of all the deceased um, celebrities and how much they've earned. But there are like a couple of spikes. Like if you look at certain years, Michael's earnings kind of tend to average between the 40 million to 100 million mark per year. But then there's some years where it's like ridiculous, like 850 oh, yeah. million, etc. So yeah. Do you want to hear some figures? I do. Take it away. Well, okay. Well, let's let's actually start at 2009, the year Michael passed. Who was the number one and what had they earned? So back in 2009, it was Yves Saint Laurent, fashion giant, and they had earned $350 million in 2009. Let's skip to the next year, 2010. Michael had passed his first year earning as a deceased celebrity, $275 million in 2010. So already that's pretty high. We'll go to 2014, $140 million. 2015, $115 million. But here's that spike you mentioned before, 2016, $825 million a year. That's huge. That's got to be the ATV sale, surely the Beatles catalogue sale. Yeah, surely that would have been it. 2017, big drop down to $75 million. But then 2018, another big spike of $400 million. So that might have been around the time of uh, the Halloween TV special that only ever got aired once in the US <laughs> and maybe some other deals. <laughs> then it drops down 2019 to 60 million. But this year, this was the lowest at 48 million and he was number one. So everyone across the board would have dropped this year, but this year especially for Michael is uh, the lowest at $48 million. Not earning those royalties anymore from the Sony ATV. No, no. But what interests me as well there is that's $48 million in the last year, the number one spot off the back of leaving Neverland and yep. also not really any good products. Like that's just forty eight million. Like you know that that really shows us that's kind of like the base rate of what Michael Jackson is going to earn in a year, without any products and having major controversy around his name. Like that's yeah. pretty incredible, still. <laughs> and what they can't afford to remaster his videos and put something I know. out. I know Don't that's get the me thing. Started. Don't get me started. <laughs> So you look at Prince, where they, where the Prince estate has really, in the past year, fired on all cylinders uh, with you know remasters and repackaged Sign of the Times box set things and all kinds of YouTube concerts, and they've really done everything they could, you know could really do in this last year. They hit ten million, and Michael's estate did absolutely nothing, and you know. <laughs> got five times more than the Prince estate. So just imagine what the Michael Jackson estate could do if they tried. <laughs> if if they tried. They can't even spell the word try. 
They can't. They can't. Like, you know, History 25, what they could have put out and earned with History 25 other than really cheaply made, badly designed visuals on clothing and masks and stuff like that that people are still waiting for. They've ordered and people are still waiting for. You know, imagine. Um, Dr. Seuss came in at 33 million and can I just say I contributed quite a bit to that myself as a dad (laughs) (laughs) what all the books oh yeah we uh (laughs) Dr. Seuss is probably Olivia's favorite author so (laughs) we've bought heaps of them excellent (laughs) but the Lorax is still my favorite just saying nice nice like there hasn't been a Dr. Seuss movie in the last year has there Oh, I don't know. I don't think so. No. So Hmm, That's themed to be number two. That's pretty cool. I wonder what licensing he's arranged. It would be a big licensing deal that would help bump him up. I'm pretty sure he's got like Peter Alexander pajama deals and all kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, I wonder where Michael will be next year. Yeah, who knows? Maybe the the time's right shortly for a, a new project but like we've always said for five years don't hold your breath on that one <laughs> we'll, we'll uh we'll see what goes on <laughs> all right so well you know what interestingly we did kind of get a newish project this year especially around that halloween time uh where the michael jackson estate finally did what we always have asked them to do and that is to put one of his short films in high quality on his youtube channel and they certainly did that with ghosts I wouldn't personally go as far as saying it was... I mean, it certainly was technically high definition. And let's, it's call definitely, it high, let's call it higher definition. Higher definition. It, it's <laughs> definitely... It's, it's better quality than we've ever seen it before. So I was extremely grateful for that. I didn't really think it was as sharp as we would see with a proper rescan or remaster. I nevertheless really enjoyed watching it. Lee and I sat down. She'd never seen the whole thing before, so it was a perfect opportunity for me to show How? my wife ghosts. I know um, that you play so much Michael <laughs> on the TV. How on earth has wonderful Lee not sat there with you going, watch this, watch this, watch this for 35 minutes? I don't know. It's just one of those ones that I don't put on all the time. I don't know why. Probably because it's not been easily available uh, for me to do that. I can't kind of tend to mainly put things on that are in my YouTube playlist or, you know, things I've got. Well, they had started pulling it off YouTube last year and the year before, I think. They'd started really going to channels and, like, um, just pulling it off and people couldn't find it. There even there's probably many dead links in our old show notes of uh, the whole film that we'd linked to, and it's not there anymore. So something was in the process, and it was just this for a short time. It's gone now, by the way. Yeah, you're right. There were definitely hints on the way through that something was going to happen. That was the first one, um, what you said, them pulling them down. But also they renamed the ghosts short version on youtube they called it they renamed it something like um i don't know short like short version or something like that and that kind of got a lot of fans speculating a couple of weeks out oh are they actually going to put the full one up on uh, youtube and they they did i really really enjoyed watching it you know it was just wonderful to see the color so rich 
I got a text from our mutual friend Paul Black. When, Paul Black. Um, yeah, Paul Black. He he sort of gave me his thoughts on it as well. I want to read out his text actually because he, as we know, he's a you know a film editor. So his uh, knowledge is really useful here. It says, uh, it certainly looks clean and is probably the best digital master they have. Standard definition can look this good as well. And high definition can sometimes look this way also. I would say the only way to get better quality than this would be if they rescanned the 35 millimeter negative in 4K or higher and remastered it. It takes money and time to do that properly. That would, in theory, make it sharper and add more depth. Some stuff from the early to mid-90s has a smoother, soapy look. Terminator 2 on Blu-ray looked smooth like this for years until John... Sorry, not John Cameron. <laughs> until Cameron remastered it a few years ago. So the new Blu-ray looks so much better. So YouTube Ghost could be HD based off an old scan or master, but it does look closer to standard definition than high definition that we were hoping for. That's yeah, from Paul. I, I would agree. I would agree. Very clean, clear SD looking as good as it can without them putting any money and time into it. Yeah, and it's interestingly the same kind of thing happened with Home Alone. I'm a big um, John Hughes fan and I've got Home Alone on um, Apple TV. Uh, one of the great things about Apple TV is when you when when the studio updates their copy of the movie with a better quality than your version at home updates automatically as well. And so they always did have a high definition version available. Like Paul said, it had that soapy kind of like ethereal look you know, kind of like a little hazy. It was still high yeah. definition, but based off some maybe some kind of old master. But about two weeks ago, they updated it with a 4K version. I don't have a 4K TV, actually. I've only got 1080p. But it still looks way better than it ever has before because they rescanned it. And that's the secret. They've got to go back to the old film, the actual film reels and rescan it all with modern technology and clean it up. Now, that's harder to do than... Um, than people would have you think. It does cost a lot of money, but also because a lot of that old that ghosts stuff, that a lot of that has digital effects in it, like very, very unique digital effects like the skeleton dancing. So those digital effects probably weren't created in high definition in nineteen ninety six or seven or whenever they did it. So then you have the problem of having a mismatch between the resolution of the special effect and the actual film so that's a problem the estate have to try to tackle as well which is why we probably don't have it in true hd yep you know back in 97 they were screening it probably from 35 millimeter in cinemas so yep. we've seen it as that quality on a huge cinema screen so just give us that quality to have at home and charge us for it put it in a box set like they did back then in the in the 90s for the European and Asian markets release, Australia. Put it in a box set, the same packaging, just put it in there, do a digital download for people that want it digitally, but do a box set with like another reproduction of the Khan's film program and then the film and then whatever, mixes on a CD or whatever, music. Just do it as a box set. Like they've proven in the past that fans want that film in a box set yeah. format. And it's a beautiful packaged box set. So 
And even then, back then, that was a very basic, like, box set package. It's a beautiful box. It's, it was just the VHS in a cardboard slipcase. It had the uh, on-the-line single with the, the clear gold sort of single with the beautiful artwork on it. And then the Blood on the Dance Floor album, which all of us had already bought by that time. And, <laughs> and then the most special thing in that was um, the program, which was a small version of the large format program from Kant's. So even then, it wasn't like the sort of level of box set like Prince's estate just put out now. It was pretty basic, but it was amazing. And those of us that have it, treasure it. Just do it again. Just do it again. Uh, that's what we've always said, isn't it? Michael laid the groundwork with the product idea then. Just take that and build on it and expand it and make it better. Like it's there. The idea is yeah. there. <laughs> and like with the film itself, he wanted that film to be a yearly thing for Halloween. He was like planning to use that film in like a TV network sort of Halloween special that they could repeat every year. So... There's no reason they still can't do that. Like we put yeah. it on a TV here for because we had it on. I think it was Friday night the thirtieth because we had a bunch of kids, our friends' kids, neighbors' kids, and nephews and stuff come over and do like a trick or treat in our backyard. We set it up like spent all week, you know, making decorations and stuff, and then I just quickly put together a YouTube playlist of some Disney stuff and um, thriller and ghosts and even a few clips of the animated MJ special that was on CBS mm -hmm. or ABC a few years ago because that whole thing is not on YouTube. Yeah, put it on and the kids were watching it and some of them were hiding behind the couch because it was scary <laughs> and others were like, wow, look at the skeleton dancing and stuff. For a kid, like 35 minutes is pretty long because they were getting a bit bored of it. And the most requested thing for them to watch that night was actually that animated TV special from two or three years ago, yeah. Michael Jackson's Halloween. Like kids were like, can we watch that one we watched here those other years with the with the Michael Jackson dancing cartoon and the pumpkin man and the spider <laughs> and stuff? Like that was legit the most requested thing that night for the kids to watch. Well, there's certainly a lot they can be doing, whether it be putting that back up on YouTube or whatever. Lots of room to do new things, so we'll see. For those fans who have questions of the Michael Jackson estate like we do, I mean, hey, if you're just tuning into the MJ cast now, <laughs> heads up, we like to question the estate. Um, <laughs> and but they love us. They Oh, they love us. Uh, they <laughs> They um, have got an FAQ on their website that they sort of update every once in a while and they've recently updated that now to include a few other questions that people uh, had recently asked. I don't know if they actually really go through the list of questions submitted to them and choose them. They might, I don't know, they might just come up with questions themselves. Uh, Q, did you have a chance to go through the new ones? Well, I think this was a couple of months ago and I probably did at the time, but... I try not to give a lot of attention to the estate because they don't give us any attention. And I don't mean the MJ cast, I meant fans. They don't give fans any attention, really. Oh, they started to do a little bit more. Uh, but... A little tiny bit, but I think that's pure laziness like because they don't want to do the work, so they're relying on other people to do the work for them. Oh, I see. That's your take on it, hey? I was, oh, my God, um... yeah. Like, yeah, okay. hello, Google is their best friend. 
they don't even know how to use the HD button on image search on Google. Got so it. that's like, true. Yeah, the barest minimum. Like, oh uh, well, here's some footage. Cool. Not like, oh, let me go to the archives. Let me go and use my huge available resources and source material. They're using like, oh, what's on YouTube and what's online and what's on Instagram that I can steal and not credit the artists and stuff. Well, I was just going to say they've recently shared Andy Healy and Paul Dwyer, but no, they haven't linked to them in their exactly. No, they never give credit. Hmm. Even uh, even there was um, a picture that like a fan had drawn recently, uh, like a handmade drawn image, and that was I'm, beautiful. That one. Yeah, it was. And I'm pretty sure they did not link to the artist. No, they didn't. They um, they say the artist's name in the tweet or the post, but they don't link. I don't think they know how to. <laughs> See, I thought after Alicia Yaff got, you know, oh, well, she resigned and then has been replaced by someone called John. I thought that they would have improved their social media game after that. But yeah, spoiler alert, it hasn't. No, it's just as bad. Just as bad. <laughs> it's really not improved at all. Anyway, so they've got the FAQ up on their site and they've got a whole bunch of questions on there responding to. And the first one is pretty much like, we won't go through all of them now, but just some takeaway thoughts that I had. The first question they had was like, uh, you know, why doesn't the estate release more projects? And their response to that question is pretty much just listing everything they've done since 2009. And it's a kind of a a weird response. First of all, it's like a novel long to read everything they've done. The problem is though that, yes, they have done a lot, but fans don't, like actual critical fans, they don't really have a problem with the amount the estate has done. It's more about the quality of the projects. So that was a weird response for them to say, oh, look at all the different things we've done. We don't care. We don't care. (laughs) It's more how well have you done each of them. But in saying that, I did like their response to a few questions. Um, One of the questions was about why hasn't the estate also released all of the songs that the fans keep leaking from seminars or whatever? And their response was really good. It was kind of along the lines of, look, the truth is we don't actually think every Michael Jackson demo should come out because they're not in states of completion that he would have been happy with. And unless they're released in an appropriate way, like paired with an album or whatever, it can be a bit detrimental. So I liked their response to that. And I also liked their response to the question about 4K. Why aren't Michael Jackson's films out in 4K? And just like I explained earlier, it's not as easy as that. And they explained that really well with a lot of detail. But the stupidest answers, I think, was the one about what you were talking about before, where they were asked, why wasn't History 25 a thing? And basically, they just blamed COVID. And they said, well, we wanted to do it, but we couldn't because of COVID. That makes and, um, me so goddamn angry. COVID didn't really start impacting stuff until February or March. So if they had actually ever even realized that it was the 25th anniversary and then secondly that they should do something for it, they would have already basically had it in the bag and ready to go. But they had left it up until like, oh, what, COVID? And then like, oh, oh, now we can't do anything because it's too late. So we can't start a project and release it. It's like, no. If they 
knew and actually gave a damn, they would have already had History 25 stuff well, well, well in the process of whatever to release. Like whether it be merch, box sets, music, uh, remastered videos, concerts, release. Like they're not going to start that in the weeks before everything shut down because of COVID. They would have already had that in the bag, ready to go, like probably waiting final approvals for like packaging or something like that. Yeah, they weren't. They wouldn't have been able to get it done in like two months. Like they're kind of saying, it wouldn't have been possible. In my opinion, it was just another dangerous twenty-five situation where they just didn't want to do anything and then used COVID as a excuse, which I think is yep. disgusting. If that's yep. true, and they're using COVID, a disease that's killed millions of people worldwide, as an excuse, that's <laughs> just shocking. Yeah, um, and to see what other artists have done in this time with very limited resources, like tiny, tiny resources, so many concerts at home, streaming, putting like videos that they filmed every day of like them acoustically doing a song in their, in their home or their studio or whatever. But then there's other artists that have literally done huge album releases this year as well. Like Gaga and she has, video clips to go with her singles Kylie Minogue number one album disco and she has videos and she's done tv appearances and these are artists that okay Gaga might have a lot of things at her disposal to work from Kylie maybe smaller scale but you know think of what Michael Jackson has in their archives and that you know, they can safely have someone working in a studio isolating on remastering stuff. It's just pure laziness, pure laziness. Yeah. And like, they don't want to spend money. That's what it is. That's what it is. And it's not like they don't have it, as we saw from their earnings. Exactly. This year alone, $48 million this year alone. Where is that money going? Another question they got asked on the FAQ was about why don't they make a documentary supporting Michael Jackson's innocence? And their response to this was fascinating. Part of it was the fans can't and won't ever know what the estate has done behind the scenes. The estate doesn't always want to be publicly acknowledged or credited for what it does. Now, for me, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of taking that as kind of soft confirmation that... Maybe it was them behind that rebuttal documentary that we reported on last year. Do you, do you remember the one that had like professional narration? Yes. What was that called? It was I can't definitely remember. one of the best. And I think I said back then that I thought the estate was behind that. Now, another big thing that's happened this year, and, and I'm sure in our post show we'll have a little chat about our COVID experiences, but another big thing this year has been the world really rising up and acknowledging the plight of black people all around the world through the Black Lives Matter movement. And the estate really did try to put a bit of an effort there into releasing They Don't Care About Us in a 2020 format recreated by Spike Lee in honor of Black Lives Matter. And that premiered on YouTube. And and personally, like with this one, I got to say, I do think it's a lot better than their last effort, Heal the World 2020. <laughs> For COVID that was so bad. It, <laughs> you know what? I haven't actually 
<laughs> I haven't got your thoughts yet on record about about. <laughs> about well, I'm pretty Heal sure we in our in our group chat we discussed and didn't Damien or someone like find out that they had uh, paid someone in India a tiny yes. amount of money and it had been like what 35 minutes of work or something or two hours. It was like it was no time at all spent on it. And that didn't surprise us. <laughs> I can't remember who it was. Damien or Charles, someone. They found out. And it, it, I bet it was through one of those services like Fiverr where you can just oh, like, yeah. pay somebody to do Totally. Oh, yeah, my God. This They Don't Care About Us 2020 was not that at all. This was very well done and so current. And it wasn't just let's Google footage stuff. It was like proper footage that they'd attributed to like, you know, this is in Rome, this is in Melbourne, this is, you know, in other US cities. And like it was someone had put effort into the They Don't Care About Us video re-release. Yeah, yeah. I do have a couple little criticisms about it as well, but I think overall, like I don't want my criticisms to distract from the fact that it was genuinely a solid effort and I think it's great. I do think it's good. The things that I struggled with about it a little bit are they went with the text at the start of the video that got uploaded to the YouTube re-release of They Don't Care About Us. They didn't go with the original text that Michael had oh, on the video in the day. The All Lives Matter text, yes. Yes, so they went a little bit All Lives Matter at the start, uh, which was weird because really it is a Black Lives Matter video. The rest of it is is really, you know, for that cause. So that bothered me. I did love the the video blend and split screen idea. I think as a premise for the video, it's great that they blended the prison version and the Brazil version into one. Yep. Um, yep. Every year I teach in year 11 modern history, civil rights movement in America as a unit of work. And I always make sure to begin the unit by showing both of those songs, each version, and the students analyze them and compare them. And uh, the kids always ask me in class, you know, I, I say to them, which one's better, which one's better? And they, they, it's always split down the middle, which one, you know, <laughs> they like more. And so I think it's a great idea that they could take the, you know, the best of both videos and put them in one. The drawback from that, and, and of course, because it was mixed in with lots of current footage from today, uh, from, you know, protest movements and different things. The drawback is that there was a bit of inconsistent video quality. So you'll watch footage from today. It looks crisp. And then they cut to the Brazil video, of, you know, the Brazil version, which hasn't been remastered. And then it looks really scratchy and, and kind of gross. Um, so I didn't really like that. But they did what they could. There was some really clever fake camera work as well that I noticed. Like, I don't know if you noticed this bit, but because they've put it in a widescreen frame instead of four by three, when Michael's on the stairs in that scene in Brazil, he, when he sort of squats down as a dance move, in the past, they've been able to fit that whole thing in the frame. But in this one, because it's widescreen, they take the camera and they sort of artificially drop it down to follow Michael. Almost um, like letterboxing, but vertically. Yes, like and they did. Down. They went down, and it was sat. They did that so well, and that's exactly what they. I think they should have done in Thriller 3D, when famously Michael's head was cut off when he jumps up in the sky and he exits out of frame. They they should have done something like that where they can sort of artificially tilt up a little bit and show you that. 
So, um, you know, that was great thought that went into that from Spike Lee. Uh, very impressed by that part. But, you know, the last criticism I have from it is that I think they could have gone a little bit harder with some of the contemporary footage. So yep. when they're showing Michael's videos, there is some confronting imagery in there. There, like was, some there was a reason that was the prison version was, like, banned. Yeah, yeah. Like there they, was stuff they, in there. It was people... very graphic, very disturbing footage, real footage. Like, these are events that happened. Yeah, now, so this, the Black Lives Matter movement isn't a movement that's, you know, not based on terrible, terrible things that are going on in the world today. Black people are dying in numbers that we absolutely should be horrified at at the hands of um, law enforcement. And, you know, footage of George Floyd and things like that, I think it could have made its way into this video and being really appropriate alongside that footage that Michael chose to put in his videos. Instead, it's only sort of got protest um, footage, which is still like great, reaction, but a little Reaction soft. footage. Yeah, so that was my final criticism but of it. I guess also if they had put things like the, the footage of the murder of George Floyd or, or other people, because there's been so many this year, it's disgusting and horrific – people could then accuse them of trying to profit off that. Mm. So maybe that's, that's why they didn't. Yeah, they definitely chose a safer route. Yeah. And also maybe because the song has, not even just this year, but in years past, become such an anthem for the movement, and, and rightfully so, and Michael, I'm sure, would feel quite humbled that that is the case, that because it is almost like a protest song, that is perhaps why they have included so much footage of these protests. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I think so as well. And, and But regardless, I mean, those little drawbacks there are slight criticisms on something that I think was actually quite effective, and it's done well on YouTube. And it's yes. probably, I'm debating in my head whether I want it to be the version that I now show in that. I, I would. Work that I, I think do. you should, definitely. I think you should show it because you can still explain about the, is it pronounced the favelas in Brazil in that version and the footage from the prison version. So you can still talk about those because they're still showing. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right. Mm. There was a little bit of criticism as well from our friend Damien. He was talking about how it was a bit odd how there was sort of like the chanting going on didn't match up with the drum beat that was in there and it was kind of like off sync. I didn't, you know, I haven't, I've only watched it twice. So admittedly that hasn't stood out to me. But I think they've tried to edit in crowds chanting they don't care about us from the protests, but they didn't exactly time it up with the music very well. So I'll have to go back and check that out. Well, I think people are chanting like they're not doing it. Someone's not playing the song and they're chanting along to the song. It's like just a sporadic real life chant. And that's not always going to be to the studio version <laughs> sort of timing. I guess. Yeah, Bruce but Widian, <laughs> he wasn't, wasn't there, there at the to choreograph to the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah funny. but overall i agree this is the one thing that i could actually throw some praise to the estate for doing this year uh, i definitely think it's worth us acknowledging and sharing yeah yeah for sure 
All right, Q, let's take a quick break and we're going to hear about one of our show sponsors, Instacart. Now, if you're like me, you've probably spent a good part of the last year staying home with family and being safe around coronavirus. With COVID-19 still affecting all of our lives, there are times when it's difficult or stressful to get to the store. Or even if you're not worried about leaving the house, I know we've all been in that crazy situation when we're in the middle of cooking a meal or visiting with friends and family and we realize we forgot to buy something. You don't need to get in the car and go down and get something from the store because there is a great solution that we're going to talk about today. Either way, grocery shopping is more important these days than it ever has been. With Instacart, shopping has never been easier. It makes personal shopping simple, affordable, and convenient. In most major cities across the US and Canada, you can pick from a wide range of retailers, do your shopping directly on the Instacart website or the app, and be sure that you're getting exactly what you want. And once your shopping list is finalized, your Instacart personal shopper will jump right into action. If the shopper has questions about your item preferences, they'll live message you directly on the website or by text message. You can keep track of your shopper's progress and have your items delivered in as fast as two hours. Plus, Instacart will deliver items beyond groceries. They can also shop for household essentials, office supplies, and, yep, even alcohol. (laughs) When all your items have been shopped and your driver is on their way, you can select contactless delivery for maximum safety and your groceries will be left at your doorstep. Just imagine how useful this is leading up to the holiday season. With Instacart, in just a few easy steps, you have all of your home shopping available at the click of a button. Elise has tried Instacart and absolutely loves it. You know what? Sometimes I wish I lived in the US as well so I could try this. I know that as a busy parent, it would be super useful for me as well. First-time Instacart shoppers can also help support the MJCast. Use our special link at themjcast.com instacart. Remember that this service is available to US and Canada residents only, and you'll want to be sure that Instacart is available in your city. Instacart, thank you so much for your sponsorship. I know that the service you offer is going to be super valuable to our listeners, especially leading into a fun holiday season packed with great times with family and great food experiences. Thank you for that kind sponsor. All right, now this is a news headline that is definitely one of the biggest headlines of the year. The James Safechuck court case has been dismissed again. And this would be the third time that this case has been dismissed by a California court. It is also the second judge to review their case and rule a dismissal straight up credit to uh you know there's so many amazing fans out there online that have been reporting and and keeping people uh you know so informed and linked to this uh ongoing case but um tscm or mjj repository uh is definitely a great uh source on twitter for stuff like this but there's some good news for 2020 that Good old Jimmy Safechuck, his court cases dismissed. I just want people to not count their chickens before they hatch in regards to the Wade Robson case, which is still ongoing. 
because it's 2020 and who knows what's, you know, this year has not gone to plan for so many things. So don't get all excited and preemptively, you know, assuming that Wades will also be dismissed. We are hoping that is the case, but that is still ongoing. Yeah, and we know that there's a, a much lower standard of proof required in a civil case to find somebody responsible of what they're accused of. So we definitely shouldn't count our chickens before they hatch. All it would take is Wade Robson winning like one small aspect of his case and we know how the media would take that. They would just take, yeah. just, just say, for example, they found Michael's estate guilty of being unsafe at Neverland with the rides or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, neg- you know. Negligent or something like that, then yeah. you know, that's it. Yeah, then it's then it's you know you know maybe not game over, but it's certainly like then every media outlet in the world. Oh my god, Michael Jackson guilty of being negligent around boys. You know you know how it would go. We've been there. Mm. So if you want to read all about it, there's heaps. There's a ten page document if you want to read it, and there were a range of causes of action, including things like breaches of fiduciary duty, negligent supervision, intentional infliction of emotional distress. All of these things were rejected. Every single one of them, and for the third time. And Judge Young determined that the claims against MJJ Productions and MJJ Ventures have not been adequately argued and that Jackson's corporations could not be held responsible for the alleged actions of Michael Jackson himself. So it wasn't really a victory in terms of finding Michael Jackson to not have done what he's been accused of. It's more that regardless of whether he did it or not, he can't be held responsible for it. So it is a victory because it's not in court anymore. It's been dismissed. The case couldn't progress further to a point where it was making a judgment about Michael Jackson because it was so baseless to start with. So we, we definitely should celebrate. But um, I personally have held back online from going out and saying, oh, look, the court found Michael Jackson innocent, you know, because... That's not what was exactly looked at in this. Yeah, but that, that was back news. in 2005. That's what that was. This is against his estate and companies. So, and don't forget, Mr. Reed is still, you know, filming and going ahead with a sequel to the documentary. So you'll still have to deal with all of that when that happens as well. And uh, it is good news, though, to know that friend of the show, Larry Nimmer, is also in the courtroom filming as well now, so that there's Ah. other cameras that are documenting truthfully what's going on. Now, I knew that the MJ... Now, the MJ estate had sort of organised that, hadn't they? Not sure if the estate did, possibly, but Nimmer Nimmer is is, uh, directing a documentary that, that our friend Charlie is in. Okay. Well, that's... I knew there was someone on like our side also filming, but I couldn't remember if it was Larry or, or Ahmed Maslay, someone like that. I was like, oh, it's someone good and they're filming in the yep. court the same as Dan Reed. So that's a positive, but I couldn't remember. So thank you for clearing that up for me. No worries. And of course, there is still ongoing action in the HBO lawsuit where the estate are challenging the company HBO around whether they should have even aired Leaving Neverland at all. But to be perfectly frank, I know very little about it. I think basically that's like the contract from when they aired the Bucharest Dangerous concert. There's like a disparagement clause that goes on in perpetuity. Is that right? I think so. 
Yep. Uh, about them having signed that contract back then that they can't sort of air disparaging stuff against uh, Michael and I guess corporations or something related entities, which clearly the documentary broke that. Uh, so, you know, that's still ongoing, whether that contract still counts after Michael's passing. <laughs> Listen to us trying to be smart about legal stuff. Yeah, this is <laughs> why you have Charles. <laughs> we, yeah, yeah. When I try to do it by myself, it's just like, oh, yeah, there's this legal thing happening. And yeah, go follow the show notes. Yep. <laughs> but, oh, my God, like, yay, that's good news that the Safe Jack case is dismissed for now. He can appeal, of course, which he has in the past. Yeah, but that made the headlines... Oh man, there was some some fairly big developments in the the Wade case today, though. I mean, Wade Wade and Jimmy have each filed motion after motion trying to compel these third parties, including Johnny Spence and his mother, to give depositions and hand over personal property as quote unquote evidence, even though they've made it clear they have no wish to be involved. Yeah, totally. Like this Finaldi lawyer guy keeps objecting to the judge's rulings on this in both cases. And now possibly he looks like he's done the same with Robson for certain motions that this Finaldi guy has failed to provide any new facts or evidence which would reverse the decision. I think it's in relation to something that happened in September yeah, I think it had certainly kind of seemed that way. And in my opinion, the motions regarding, um, you know, I mean, who's the kid's name again? Johnny Spence or something? Yeah, Jonathan um, Spence. He's the little blonde kid that was around like Captain EO and Moonwalker era. Uh, ah, yes, yes. I think he's really good friends with Taj, like now. I think they might even be working on that documentary together that Taj is doing. Definitely um, and- Jonathan Spence's wife is working on the documentary with Tyler. Oh, his wife. Yes. Right, got it, got it. Yep. Yeah. I think Charlie did say that to us the other day. And yeah. so anyway, the motions to do with Spence, I, I think demonstrate that Finaldi is abusing the court process to just really try and help Dan Reed. He submitted this ridiculous motion demanding, did you see the, the, that motion demanding the Spence family hand over every single childhood photo that they had of Johnny? And those photos are, of, of absolutely no value in terms of evidence and there's no rational reason to uh, make such a, a stupid demand, what possible use could they be? Well, didn't Charles have an interesting theory about that recently when we were discussing this sort of little small development? Um, yeah, what did he I say? Think Charles said, I think that Charles said that the reason he could think of for filing that ridiculous motion asking for all those, like, whole childhoods worth of photos was to provide Dan Reed with access to hundreds of free court exhibit photos of Spence to use as B-roll footage in this new documentary that Dan Reed was making. So that would turn Dan Reed's uh, sequel into, like, a live-action version of Finaldi's case, which... You know, it was just as one-sided as the the first documentary. Um, that's what Charles was saying the other day, and I thought that was actually pretty, you know, simple theory. But it's that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, and and 
that that makes total sense and actually that really adds up with the fact that these guys have been harassing spence for years and um he's even accused them of bullying and harassment and wasn't finale sanctioned in the safe chuck case over his continued Uh, pursuit of the witnesses i believe so i believe so yep yeah what what has finale even said what oh i can't um was it something like if the johnny spence kid wasn't abused his testimony would still prove a grooming pattern that's insane this sort of echoes back to for me anyway when when was it? it must have been the 2003 trial or was it the geordie chandler era when sneddon flew people all over the world to try and find um witnesses against michael for wrongdoing yeah. and they Every single time they came back empty-handed because there was none. Because so all of them said this, Michael never touched them, just like Johnny Spence. Yes, exactly. And that's to me, that just really echoes in this, that they keep trying, Finaldi keeps trying to bring all these people in, like in the first documentary, you know, they were picturing Barnes and the other people that they named, like, oh, you know, Macaulay and stuff. But they keep trying to bring these people in involved when they are very clear like we are not involved because none of this actually happened but there's still plenty of fans that keep Safechuck and Robson and Reed relevant every single day by talking about them like, I know the it's, amount of tension really that they get it's like you know there's nothing really in the headlines at the moment so maybe just sit back and have your resources ready to go when you need it, but why are you tweeting at them and trying to engage with them and having them respond and react to, like, sometimes fans can be their own... I'm going to get so much hate for this. Sometimes fans can be their own worst enemy, but they are some people, like, just stop it. You're keeping them relevant. Exactly as Wade's, like, own words. Like, you are keeping him relevant by all that engagement i just don't understand it it drives me mad yeah me too and i i don't follow a lot of those accounts they kind of strike me as a little bit more like primarily true crime accounts like that happen to be michael fans secondarily i don't know i i don't see a lot of discussion coming out of those accounts about michael's art and uh, he was a musician, never. so... <laughs> like, oh, okay, what? Dangerous used to be called Decade. I didn't know that. I'm like, oh, um, shots fired. <laughs> maybe, how? Maybe just focus on the music a little bit. Yeah. All right, change of gears here, big time. There was a music video shot at Neverland recently <laughs> by some guy I've never heard of. I don't even know how to pronounce this artist's name. I think it's Deshard. Or something. Yeah, I would say that. Um, yeah, yeah, and he's a rapper, and uh, so he got onto Neverland's property and used iPhones and GoPros to shoot some kind of music video. Uh, heads up, it's not a great song. I liked it, but <laughs> you. Oh no! I okay. Oh, no. I I didn't hate it. How's that? Thank I you, didn't Lee. Hate Lee just brought song. me a coffee. Oh, nice delivery. <laughs> um, I didn't hate it. How about that? Okay, so I liked it melodically. I like the... It's the lyrics. The lyrics were just shocking, but... um, Yeah, okay. Let's let's backtrack a bit and 
it's not disgusting. <laughs> That's how we can frame it. But anyway, yeah. so he shot this video on the property and then apparently the security guards that were there caught him filming it and then <laughs> kicked him off and said, you're not allowed to use the footage, but he still did anyway. Well, they, I think they even got the crew to sort of delete footage off some of their devices, but there might have been one or two devices that they didn't know about and they kept that footage and they used it. I, I enjoyed watching it for the purpose of seeing what Neverland kind of looks like today in 2020. Mm. Um, and yeah, the property just really is beautiful, isn't it? Even now, yeah. um, that's never going to change. And I do hope I get the chance to go there one day. It makes me wonder like if I was to go there and just jump a fence <laughs> and I reckon I could get away with it. If they just kicked this guy off and just with a warning, I'm, I, I, I would take the risk. Watch out for the tarantulas. Wait, what? Oh, Remember Moonwalker. the big giant spiders? <laughs> no, but that's a real thing. There's like a season oh. over there where the ground is just like crawling with those giant tarantula spiders. Like when you drive Yuck. up the road, like they pop under your car's tires and stuff. Oh, that's gross. That's gross. Yeah, that is. I actually, so, I watched Moonwalker the other night with Livy and she loved that whole bit. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. Crazy. Actually, we have nephews that love spiders as well. I had this garden spider and I left it because it was away from the house and we came to an arrangement like don't start a family and don't come to the house. And I just left her in the garden and she was happily catching flies and stuff and nephews came over and they were just obsessed with this spider and they still ask about it. I think a bird took it, so sad ending. But oh. she broke the contract. She started a family anyway, so she already broke the contract. So whatever. <laughs> Um, now, Q, this year we haven't... Um, oh, did you want oh, to can, say anything can, about the video? Or? Yeah, I was going to say. So yep. I remember when this um, Deshard's video broke, and go check it out. It's in the show notes, which well done on the show notes, Jamin. But go check it out because it is cool to see. But I remember there was a lot of fans. I was like, oh, my God, this is so disrespectful and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, calm the, calm the heck down. Like, seriously? <laughs> because the thing is, he's not disrespecting Michael in the song or the lyrics at all. It was done with, I think, a lot of respect for Michael and for Neverland and for what Michael achieved. And Michael doesn't own Neverland now. It's not his property now. Like, disrespectful, I think, would be for them to demolish it and split it up into smaller farms or something. I think that would be disrespectful to the legacy of the place. But I don't think this video was disrespectful he i guess he disrespected the new owners by breaking and entering but i don't think this was disrespectful against mike no i agree with you and 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 that's weird to me because you and i and our friends are usually on like disrespect high alert 24 7 right and so when i watched this i didn't get any sense of uh this is i didn't even know fans thought this was disrespectful oh, just till yeah and wow they love to complain about stuff. <laughs> okay, Q. So this year we have tried to simplify our show a little bit and steer away from of uh, Jackson family news here and there to keep it focused on Michael. But I had to absolutely drop these couple of things in. So we have definitely got new music ready to listen to right now on our devices from TJ Jackson and Paris Jackson. They've both dropped... Um, 
uh, well, TJ dropped an EP and Paris dropped a full album. This is actually the second EP off TJ in the last 12 months. The first one was Obsession, and uh, this one is called Damaged. He's busy. Yeah, and it is great. He's been super busy, and I love this. I love this EP. I've been listening to it for the last three days on high rotation, and my two favorite songs on it are Last Night and Damaged. But Last Night, I think for me, is probably the best. And it's just super duper funky. And I love the retro VHS video for it. And he's just done such a good job. His visuals for this EP, I have to say, are like on point. They are so good. The visuals for like the covers and like just graphics and the videos, like, yeah. He needs to be asked about those. But yeah, so good to see pretty TJ. He's so beautiful, my God. Even with the man bun? Love the man bun. Love the longer hair. He is just... oh. Anyway, next up, Paris. Wow. <laughs> Wilted. What, yeah. an, what a solo debut album. My God. Yeah, it's strong, isn't it? It is so strong. Like the production on this and just the strength of the tracks for this genre of music. Very good. Like not my usual world pop sort of fair that I would listen to, but for the genre that this is, which can you read your description of the genre? Cause it was perfect description. I would describe it as a very subdued, acoustic, pretty melancholic folk rock. Nailed it. Nailed it. (laughs) And it is really, really good. And the video for the first single was phenomenal. It was so beautiful and rich and had a story. Oh, wow. Horror motifs in there. Yeah. It was very, very cool. Again, what a strong, solid, solo debut. And she's getting headlines like, you know, MTV interviewing her about, you know, like top 10 things. And it's getting attention from a lot of people, which is really cool. Yeah. And I love that she's really stayed true to her own kind of passions for music and the style of music she loves. She could have, you know, easily come out and done some kind of dance pop thing and like, you know, (laughs) try to do that sort of stuff but she hasn't she's she's created a record that really feels honest and authentic and true to what she loves i think michael would be super proud i love the duet eyelids and yes. probably my favorite song on the track though is not one of the ones that people are talking about a whole heap but it's my favorite it's called dead sea and i think there's some really autobiographical lyrics in that one um you know, it's just, I won't repeat some of the lyrics now because I just wouldn't do it justice. But, you well, know, I saw you can, an interview you, you... where she was asked about some lyrics, like, you know, what lyrics are you most proud of? And she had lyrics from that song that she was the most proud of. Yeah, yeah. It's just, oh man, you listen to it and it's like, wow, she's kind of really intertwining aspects of her difficult upbringing and like the fact that she was kind of so young when the tragedy hit her and she's weaving that into the lyrics and saying about how that impacts her even now it's very very personal and i would strongly recommend listening to it it's great um and i think she got number one on 
charts for this album and I the, did not the know first that. single. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like not like general top 100, but in the genre, I'm pretty sure it did hit number one. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Well, more power to her, and I hope she has a wonderful career and one day tours Australia. <laughs> that would be so cool to see live. Like, I know that she has done some smaller gigs and stuff, um, and with, I think, her cousin Austin as well. But, yeah, to see this stuff live, it'd be really cool. It's really chill, and I think it really shows her musical influences, which, you know, she's got lots of tattoos of artists that have influenced her, and I think this definitely shows those influences yeah and i think something tells me elise is going to beat us to uh oh, getting the chance yes. to seeing paris live <laughs> lucky elise uh, all the California. cool fans <laughs> all the cool fans go to all the cool meetups and things like that you had a bit of a meetup the other day yeah i caught up with beck in brisbane when i wasn't in quarantine oh my god let's we'll talk about that later I'm currently in <laughs> home quarantine. I'm on call for work. I'm allowed to go to some parts of work, but not others. And But yeah, that's the a day I was quickly in Brisbane um, and got to actually leave the hotel, which is another cool MJ-related story I will talk about um, a bit later. But yeah, I had a quick little sort of spur-of-the-moment Starbucks meetup, which was very cool. Shout out to Leprechaun sure. Jackson, TikTok sensation. <laughs> Nice. So in other MJ fan news, uh, Cool Website has launched. This is a long-awaited one. Uh, you would remember that years ago we had a guy on the on the podcast, Q, you and I spoke to him, Greg Spinks. He was the former founder of Maximum Jackson, and he has had a bit of a hiatus for quite a few years, but has recently launched a brand new forum, something that he's been working on for a really long time. It's called Behind the Mask. You can get there at behind-the-mask.net. And it is a beautifully laid out Michael Jackson forum that looks great on desktop and mobile, but it is wonderful. And, and what I love a lot about it is how organized it is. Like we all know that Twitter although very useful for getting people's opinions in the moment for when things are happening, it can get a little bit noisy, right? And disorganized, especially when you want to go back and, and look at something at a point in time or see a focused discussion on something. So that's why forums are really good. They're a little bit old school, but the benefit of them is when you log in there, you can have a focused discussion about different news topics and albums and songs and all kinds of different things. Uh, and he's just done a really beautiful job building it out. So highly recommending people go there, check it out, sign up, have a chat with other MJ mates online. And I guess, Q, the beauty of forums is the relationships, right? Like Hugely. all of our friendships oh my God. came from All them. of our friendships. We were all like forum mates. I think this yeah. will be like a really positive thing for older fans that have the nostalgia for the fan forums where they would go in and, you know, what's what's people discussing today or start a new discussion on this new thing that's just happened and then the conversation i think nostalgia for that will be high for people that missed the really good forums like max jacks used to be when when greg and the team ran it and then also i think the new fans should really check this out because they 
didn't live in the age of fan forums. So they actually don't even know what that experience is like. They only know the Instagram, the direct messaging, the Twitter and the Facebook, stuff like that, the YouTube. They don't actually have that experience of community and family that can come from the communication and the discourse in these fan forums. So I have to admit, I have not been in there to use it much. I have signed up. I'm a member, but I haven't actually gone in to use it yet. I think last year, I think the fallout from that, I actually probably did have like a bit of a burnout from a lot of interaction and social media in regards to the MJ fam community. So I haven't been able to jump in and get involved yet, but I have signed up. I have seen it. I've peeked in there. It is very well done, like hats off to Greg. And I would really encourage people that either miss forums and wish that was still a thing. Well, it is. And for the new fans to go and check it out and make some MJ fan friends online in a great interface with the with the chatting. And so you can find stuff and discuss stuff really easy. So... Go and check it out for sure. And it's a bit of a myth, I think, where people say, oh, yeah, forums are dead because of social media. I don't actually believe that because I'm um, a huge Apple computer, you know, tech nerd guy. And I go to this forum, macrumors.com, and it is just like ridiculously pumping. Like so, people are commenting there all the time. Like a news, a new piece of news will drop. Within 10 minutes, there's like at least 40 replies to it. It's huge. It's absolutely huge. So forums, I think, are not dead. They are definitely evolving with technology, especially when you access them in mobile browsers. They're suited for that. It's just a matter of a community building around it and it updating frequently with news, which is what Greg is doing. He's dropping news on Twitter, linking from there to the forum. It's all happening. Just got to get involved and go there and start building friendships. Yeah, go talk about listening to the MJ cast and what gets discussed. Great place to go and talk about that sort of stuff. What I think would be cool is if somebody started a thread there, and I'll, maybe I'll talk to Elise about doing this if, if somebody doesn't start it, but just not, not an MJ cast thread, but maybe like a Michael Jackson podcasts thread. <gasps> and, yes. and every time a new episode is dropped from any podcast, somebody puts it in there and then how cool would that in, be? Yeah, and then in that discussion you go cool wasn't that awesome on the black jackson estate podcast when they were talking about the, you know history and the tour and the songs and stuff like that yeah cool so um on to the real meaty part of our discussion today we've got a few little topics here one of them about leaks one of them about new mj remixes that have come out and then some new podcasts let's kick it off with leaks Holy crap. I can't think of a busier few months in the Michael Jackson fan community for leaks than the last three months. Yeah, there's been so many that honestly I have not caught up with them all. There's a few that I was very sort of, okay, I'll say excited, but I was just, I guess, happy to hear these things again because I had heard them at seminar. But some of them I'm like, okay, well, this is just like terrible quality. It's like literally seconds of something that is so unfinished that it's a shame that it's come out in that way but god yeah no holds barred on leaks this year 
I know it's been nuts, and I agree with you. Like, let's let's actually begin this discussion. I think by talking about how some of these things are coming out because these aren't leaks. Where I think only one of them, one of the ones I'm about to talk about, is a proper, you know, CD quality leak, and it's the acapella for "I Like the Way You Love Me." Every other leak that's happened is very clearly somebody sitting in an audience at a seminar and recording something on a device, and that's how it's come out. A jerk, a dickhead jerk, jerk. fuckhead, (gasps) oops, a (laughs) heckhead. Don't worry, we have an explicit tag for a reason. Yeah, that Um, reason was me. (laughs) Yeah, 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 it's so true. I was like, why is he still marking this podcast as explicit? I'm not even like on it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I, I just, it really pisses me off. This is part of the reason why I think that... And it's a bit of a hardline stance, and I know many fans will disagree with it, but this is why I think that even collaborators probably shouldn't be playing this music without complete permission. Because when people do, even if they have completely noble intentions, like just to talk about Michael's art, there are idiots in the audience who are going to do this. And now, like, to be perfectly honest with you, if you don't like hearing bad quality leaks... Just don't click on any of the links in the show notes we're going to talk about because part of me wishes I hadn't. If I didn't do this podcast, I wouldn't have listened to them. I only listen to them because I want to be able to talk about them with you guys. But truly, I would prefer to not hear something in bad quality and wait years, if it takes that, to hear it in good quality one day because this kind of just ruins the experience of hearing it well. For sure. Um, That's my view on it. So there's been some leaks. The first one we'll talk about is a very early version of the beautiful Dangerous Era song, Someone Put Your Hand Out. I love hearing demos because we get to hear a work in progress version of the song and what it was like and how it grew. And this is a crazy one. This is like totally sounds totally different to the beautiful acoustic R&B version that we ended up getting. Uh, I think Michael originally debuted it to fans as an instrumental interlude in the Dangerous concert. And then it came out, I think, on some kind of promo single at some point. The Pepsi Uh, one? Yeah, yeah. I think it was the Pepsi one. Yeah. But the early version is totally different. It's got like a really very percussive Bill Bottrell sounding beat behind it. And the verses sound totally different to what they did in in the finished version as well. So uh, well worth checking out if you're willing to put up with super bad quality bootleg audio. Next up. Next up, uh, Man in Black. This one was, you know, again, similar to Someone Put Your Hand Out. Very bad bootleg quality, but I like it because, you know, it's a cool sounding late 80s dance track that would not have been out of place on Janet's Rhythm Nation. I love it and... All I'll say is poor Brian Loren again. <laughs> he always seemed to miss out. That song had been the talk of the fan community since the early 90s when Adrian Grant talked about it in one of his magazines because he was sort of in the studio and got to hear a bit of it and it got this big myth about it and people built it up in their head so much. For me, did not like match the hype that you could imagine for me. I was like, mm, okay, skip. Yeah. Next. 
<laughs> Turning me off. This one is a funky 80s sounding dance tune. There's really not too much to say about it. It's actually been removed from YouTube now. So the link we'll put in the show notes won't work. I haven't been able to find a better link. But yeah, that one was a bit... When I heard it, I was like, oh, I can totally see why this one wasn't released. Another one called Don't Believe It was an interesting listen. It's very much in the vein of Cheetah, Monkey Business, Superfly Sister, that kind of thing. Again, it was like, yep, can see why that one wasn't released, but cool to hear nonetheless to see just, yeah, it's always great to hear Michael Jackson. Now, here's a big one. Smooth Criminal 1985 demo. If anyone is out there truly doubting the stories that we've heard that Michael Jackson went to Quincy Jones with all of the songs that he wrote for the Bad Album pretty much done in the form that they ended up coming out in? Well, you shouldn't doubt anymore because this one is absolute proof of that. This is a 1985, three years after Thriller, demo of Smooth Criminal and it pretty much sounds like what came out on the Bad Album. However, this has a a couple of differences. There's some synth stuff in there that isn't on the in the final version, which I really love and was like, why wasn't that in there? And the bass line in this version really hits hard. It's just strong. It's just really got some oomph to it. Uh, so there's some things about this track that are unique and, and maybe even a cool little twist on what did come out and definitely one of my favorite leaks. Surely you heard this one, Q. Yep, I did. And yeah, exactly what you said, like, you know, Michael came to the table with these songs, Quincy finessed them and, you know, helped like just finish them off. But, you know, these were Michael Jackson tracks that he came to Quincy with. Yeah. Uh, okay. You take the next one. Give in to me. Give in to me. Oh, my God. Now, this is a very, what, about seven, nine minutes sort of length progression of yep. the song that is edited down from many, many, many hours of this sort of work tape where Michael, and I really wish I could remember the name, it's probably scribbled illegibly in my notes from when I went to the seminar and heard it, but the guy on the guitar and the songs that they were listening to by rock bands that inspired this little jam session where the track Give In To Me came from, but... Oh, to hear this again, like it's a shame it's in such crap quality, but was like, oh, yes, so good. Just to hear that real birth of a song. Like, okay, let's just put a drum loop on and let's just jam. Like, and just, you know, not even have lyrics at the start and then it progresses. So this is really edited down from the actual long, like, pro progress of this track. But... All in all, Giving to Me came out quite quickly from its like jam session into a sort of oh, let's let's get into the studio and put this on tape. It was like not like many, many years process. This was like all sort of in a, a shorter amount of time. But to hear that progression and the evolution of the song, the the vibe of it and Michael's vocals and the melody, so good. So cool. They could totally have put that out on a Dangerous 25 release and that would have been incredible. But no. But a state. <laughs> but a state. <laughs> That's like so perfect. 
So, because uh, I give in to me is one of my favorite songs. I've always loved it. I love rock MJ. I think Ricky on Twitter the other day was like, oh, imagine if Michael had done a rock album. I'm like, heck yes, that would have been epic. But yeah, just to hear this awesome progression, so cool. Yeah, I agree. So good. And it really is an evolution as well, I think. I, I love hearing the work in progress stuff, but I think the the version that it arrived at on the Dangerous album is like the peak of where it was for sure. I love the rock edge. Yeah, I would have really liked it even a bit more acoustically. Like I would have loved a rock version, but then like a real acoustic rock version I would have also died for. That'd be, oh man, imagine MJ Unplugged doing that song acoustic. That would be crazy. Yes. (laughs) Take my money. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. Um, I have no money. I am poor as heck. (laughs) Thanks, Cody. (laughs) Me too. Thanks. Home alone. Um, (laughs) All right. So I like the way you love me. Acapella version. This is the only one that came out in really high quality. And yep, love the leads, love the harmonies. We've all heard the song. This is like isolated MJ vocals. Gotta say, still not a fan of the key changes that go on at the end of the song. (laughs) Skip. Why did Michael like this song so much? This was on his note in the room he passed away in saying that he wanted to finish it. Well, I don't know. Maybe he would have worked on it and then go, oh, yeah, I need to dial this back a bit and just reset. And, okay, this is the basis, but then it could have came out, finished and sounded completely different and decent. Very true. Very true. It's not one of my favorites. You take the next one. Wow. Okay. Now, if the MJ Estate released only one more thing and then they called it a day, I would want it to be faces as it is, untouched, the whole thing. Just give us everything you've got on this song, on this track. Just give it all the pieces just as an EP and that is it. And I would be satisfied. When I heard this song at Brad's seminar, I was just blown away It was meant to be with Nelson Mandela. They had never recorded, from what I remember, uh, any vocals, any speech or anything with Nelson Mandela. But this was meant to be a song with Nelson Mandela. And it is the most powerful and moving and loud and you just feel it song that Michael... I th- possibly had ever worked on. It was so inspirational and so beautiful and so powerful and so black and just incredible. Oh my God. To hear this again, I was like, yes, it is as good as I remembered it. It's such a shame that this has come out in such horrendous quality because it does no justice to what this masterpiece is. And I'm, I worry if Michael had worked on it a lot more, how he would have changed it because already it is so good. And sometimes Michael maybe overproduced things like, okay, cool. Here's the song. Now I'm going to add 57 layers of sounds on top of it. I'm like, no, I, I, I worry what Michael would have done to this because already it is so powerful and it's so unfinished like 
it's other than Michael's inspirational vocal and it's him speaking, not even singing. Other than that, it's just this incredible percussion that is so powerful. And I think if they had got the the audio with Nelson Mandela, yes, that would be finished it perfectly. But as it is, I would pay for this. And I really think this piece of art would really have a positive effect on Michael's legacy. It's, oh my God. Okay. I'm gushing like a crazy idiot. It's your turn. Thoughts on faces. I don't really need to say anything because you just said everything I was you know, thinking in Sorry. my head. You know, no, 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 no. In a good way. Like you, you, we are so in sync on this. You summed it all up for sure. I just love when that beat kicks in too. Like oh. it is just next level funk. And I don't understand why A, Michael didn't finish it because it is just the craziest thing that he didn't go back to it and finish it for Invincible or something. Or even just including it in This Is It. Like he did, he went back and got Mind Is The Magic and put it in his drill. Like, why wasn't this in This Is It? It's just crazy that it never, that he didn't want it to come out. Just even as a single, just like here is a tribute to Nelson Mandela. Done. Digitally upload, you know, here's a single, just a one single EP or something. Just put it out. This should have been out. Yeah, and and you know the perfect time to do it, Q? History 25. Oh, totally. Totally. Like, that's where it belonged. This was a history-era track. How on earth was this not on a second or, you know, third disc (laughs) of history tracks? I don't get it. I don't get it at all. It It would have been the perfect thing to have as, like, you know, if they did a trailer teaser video for History 25, this song, like, oh, God. Anyway. This could have been on, like, the Black Panther soundtrack. Oh, yeah. They could have used the percussion elements in, like, a Wakanda scene, a Black Panther, or a huge Avengers Endgame scene when Black Panther came. It is so like, epic. It, yeah. Oh, my God. And this is what we, we're talking about when we're talking about effort. When we're we're saying like, you know, they could have done a Black Lives Matter video set to that for 2020. They've got it all sitting there waiting for them to use this incredible stuff. But anyway, anyway. So if you ever get to a seminar, if it ever gets played again, the speaker setup that Brad ensures in these studios, like they are, you feel it like it shakes. The bass shakes your internal organs. It is loud <laughs> as heck and it is so emotional to be feeling this track through your cells as it vibrates everything. It is incredible. It is an absolute experience. Okay, so the the reaction that you had to Faces, I had a similar reaction to the last leak that we'll talk about, which is the childhood work tape. See, I've never been to a Brad Sundberg seminar queue. So hearing some of this stuff in bootleg quality is like the first time I've heard it. And I feel cheated, you know, out of... I I could have chosen not to listen to them, I guess. But I wish my first experience hearing them was how you're describing with the awesome speakers. But anyway, so 
It was still really cool to hear this childhood work tape. I was sitting on my couch this morning getting ready for the show today. Some of the leaks I hadn't heard, childhood was one of them. So I put it on after I'd heard like turning me off and don't believe it. And I was kind of, yeah, yeah, they're, they're okay. And then this one came on. Lee and Livia at the table eating breakfast. And then this MJ vocal just like sucked the room of the air in the room. And everyone just went quiet. And it was just Michael, you know, sounding so beautiful and so engaged in the studio, the way he was saying, like, I love the way you play that. And then when he's getting into the vocal, just switching from his speaking voice to this just ethereal, perfect singing voice just gave me total goosebumps. It reminded me of the story that Stephen Paul Witsit told me about Michael singing that song a cappella to him alone in a hotel room. Imagine what that would have been like. Oh, my God. Beautiful, beautiful moment. And uh, I feel really lucky to have heard that. I just wish that it would have been in better quality. So this is a video. I'm pretty sure I remember. This is audio, but there's visuals to go with this of Michael at the microphone in the booth and it is so powerful and so pure and so perfect so if you've had the reaction just to the audio when you pair it with the video at quadruple it it's incredible one day day. it's incredible and this is the stuff they could be putting out (laughs) <laughs> Why is it up to someone capitalizing on his stash and making, you know, selling tickets and doing these seminars, like not even, they're not even sanctioned and official when they could go, okay, hey, hi, we're the estate. Hi, Brad, how are you? Um, can we partner with you? We know you've got this thing. You've got an audience. Let's do this properly. Let's tour you around, officially sanctioned. You know, we'll arrange the studios or whatever and get the setup and then charge people to come to these official events to have these incredible experiences. And then they can go away and they can go talk about it or whatever. Maybe even have like some sort of audio that you can purchase, like MJ work tapes. You know, here's some snippets of what was included but these are like educational experiences for not only people who are fans of Michael and his music but also people at work in studios and the process because that's what Brad talks about as well and the equipment and stuff like that like just do this properly for God's sake or imagine this imagine like a once a year MJ conference where it's like sessions and breakout rooms and you can go to the dance one if you want with Travis Payne or you can go to the studio one with Brad Sunderberg or there's just anyway (sighs) I was just thinking lunch with Lavelle go and lunch with Lavelle Lavelle and you'll like you know show you amazing footage and talk about his experiences over lunch in the canteen oh my god Oh, oh man you can dream and then you get, and then the reality you hits you. Get a, you get a squashed <laughs> sausage and a crunky piece of bread. <laughs> Eat it up. That's what you get. Uh, worse than a bunning sausage. Hey, don't you dare knock a bunning sausage. 
No, sorry. Sorry. Okay, that's pretty un-Australian, isn't it? Fix yeah. your elections, America. Do a democracy sausage. For fuck's sake. That's how you get the people out. God, yes. Bit of sausage and bread and sauce, maybe some onions. Sort maybe your some onions. How can you have a how can you have a how can you not have onions on sausage and bread? Oh, I can take it or leave it. Okay. Okay. Cheese? You cheese guy? No, just sauce and I'm happy with I'm a simple guy. Sauce and sausage. Done. <laughs> Nothing like a bit of sauce and sausage. Just like bread, sausage, sauce, done. I'm happy. I'm, I'm very simple. All right. That's it for the leaks, right? Mm, yeah. Yeah. That's it for the leaks. But then a heap of other music stuff has come out as well. And we're going to do this one pretty quick. Yeah. But we've got 57 been... remixes to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I None don't None of them I'm official. Actually... <laughs> but they're better than the real remixes. Come on. Some of them, Sorry, most of them. Better yeah. than the official remixes. Yeah. So Nick did a remix. It's called the Retro Pop Remix of BTS's Dynamite. Check it out. It is so good. It's such great fun. Okay. That's not one of the ones we're talking about, but I'm sure it's We really should good. be talking about it. It's really good. Is that the one where it's like a Jackson's tribute, the video? Yeah. The official yeah. video. Yes, correct. Yeah, the official video, yeah. yeah. That was and then go I check like out the Divorce Twins, Jesse and Jermaine, on their social media because they did like a little Dynamite tribute video as well. Okay. So uh, the MJ remixes that have come out, I've heard them all, but only like maybe once or twice each. So I can't really talk with authority about them. Uh, How about you go I through the list and, and then, then you talk any... About no, we'll just talk about at the end of it, like maybe our favorites. <laughs> okay, okay. So Michael Jackson beat it Groove Funkle remix, Smooth Criminal Nick Rad remix, Thriller Nick Freestyle Funk remix, Too Bad Nick Deluxe Long version, Wannabe Starting Something SWG Extended Dance Mix, and Can You Feel It SWG Extended Mix. And of course, SWG stands for Single Black Love. Okay, which ones were your favorites? I loved the um the visuals at the start of the Beat It Groove Funkle remix. It was this really cool retro Groove yeah. Funkle productions thing. I was like, oh, that's sweet. That's cool. So these are, I guess, from all of our favorite MJ remixes out there. There's, you know, a million men and their dogs that are doing MJ remixes. These are just some of the big names that we've spoken about on the MJ cast before. Send the MJ cast your remixes. They can retweet them maybe or something because people like this sort of stuff. My favorites. Yeah, he does not click on these. My favorites would be the Beat It one was good fun. I'm a Beat It fan. I know that a lot of MJ fans, you know, over Beat It, but I still like it. The Too Bad one was pretty cool because it's, like quite close to the track it's like an extended one and then at the end there's some pretty cool unused vocals like he's like enough 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 and like that's really cool how he's worked that in some guitar stuff so the too bad nick deluxe one is cool probably my next favorite would be the can you feel it um lyric video the extended Mm. mix the visuals for that Wow, the work that went into that 
is this like you get dizzy from watching it it's like you're standing in one spot looking over this big um dawn across a thunder mesa with just rock formations and then you start noticing like little tiny silhouettes of people in the distance on these high points of the 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 mesas and stuff but like yeah this is this was a really cool tribute to the song and to have those visuals of the lyrics you go yeah these are really powerful lyrics and this the lyrics of this song are very underrated and underappreciated and yes it goes for like 10 minutes or something and that song is long but it's it was really well done so that was probably my um other favorite yeah for me i think the wannabe starting something one was my favorite but because listeners will know that's my favorite michael jackson song ever so to hear it in an like an expanded single white glove way with a lot of the different elements being separated to really hear them in their own i really liked it like I've said many times in the past, I love single white glove because you're you're literally spending like ten minutes or sometimes more with the song and bathing in it. Like you're <laughs> by the time it finishes, it's like, yeah, I've really uh, had a big want to be starting something experience there. But uh, it's great, and uh, I love all, a lot of these remixes. I think they're fun. Um, again, I'll say all of them: Groove Funkle, Nick, and SWG. These folks, they really honor the original spirit of the songs in their remixes they mostly use well exclusively in terms of um swg but they they use the original multi-tracks to go and get the original stuff and and rearrange it in a different way to give you a different experience with the songs so i love that about them yeah certainly want to be starting something has been probably my one on heaviest rotation out of this lot i think the too bad one the nick one it came out a long time ago. This is just sort of a longer version of the one he'd released a long time ago, but the others are, are new. I just want to say, I wish when they did these mixes that they, yeah, sure, here's your 10 minutes of, you know, too bad and can you feel it and stuff like that. But do a little radio edit, please. Because sometimes I just want to move to the next song. I want to hear, what's the next one? What's the next one? And I was like, oh, great, I still got six minutes to go. Like yeah, that's it. That's both. cool. Do like do the long ones for Jamin to bathe in it, but then do some like <laughs> just do a radio edit as well of like I think I've really become accustomed in the last twelve months to really great pop songs where it's the maximum is three minutes. Like this is the reg. If you're going to use this song in you know competition regulation no longer than three minutes and i've really become accustomed and i'm really loving to that because then i get more music in my time and sometimes even michael was guilty of this like oh cool let's do a song and it's like 400 hours long and it's like okay cool you could have wrapped that up like 12 minutes ago mike yeah, yeah, I agree totally. And this is something that I've only just become sensitive to recently. When I was an MJ fan, uh, you know, especially when he was alive, I didn't really think about it. But now I'll, I'll be waiting uh, in the car and I'll, you know, I'll play You Rock My World and I can't wait for the intro to be done. And Black or White, I can't wait for the intro to be done. I just think, yeah, 
even I don't know how fans that were listening to those songs then when they were coming out felt about those big long intros, but certainly now I just wish I definitely prefer the radio edits to those songs for sure. And and you know it's not just Michael like even um one of the like things that came out of the the recent US election Diana Ross shared an amazing video um after Biden won the election and it was like a brand new day from the Wiz with um the vocals I think her vocals and then it was this new choreographer just like filming uh in the streets with this amazing black cast dancing and I was like, oh my God, I haven't heard that song for ages. So I went and like found Brand New Day from The Wiz and put it in my Spotify list. That darn song goes for like eight minutes and you <laughs> get the song and you go, oh, cool, that was nice. And then it still goes for like another three minutes. And I'm like, oh my God, okay. And too much. The, too, it is, too, well, that whole film you could edit and easily like easily edit an hour out of and make it shorter. Yeah, way too long. Painful, oh my lord! Actually, yeah. But so I went. Okay, cool. Let me let me go get the solo Diana version because that's shorter, at least. Oh, and did you see the uh, single white glove teaser video? I saw a teaser video. I loved the visuals of it. That was cool. So, is this something new, or is like is this for like an anniversary or something? Um, yeah, I think it is Thriller's anniversary. The estate's kind of been tweeting about that over the past few days. So I, I'm guessing that SWG has either used their existing 35th anniversary Billie Jean remix or they've well actually the video says it's newly mixed and mastered but it's going to be coming along with a new eight minute uh short film that they've put together for it maybe like a lyric video or something I've been more and more impressed with uh SWG's video content so I can't wait to see what it is for sure Right, so there are remixes. There are a heap of good ones. Enjoy them. The links are in the show notes. Let's take our second and final break of this episode, this time to talk about the MJCast's official merch store, which can be found at themjcast.com slash shop. Now, this is a great place to go if you are considering grabbing something cool for yourself as an MJ fan, or even better, maybe you want to grab a gift for an MJ fan friend for Christmas. Let's talk all about it. Now, the MJ Cast shop is put together and run by us, uh, but it's administered through Redbubble, the company Redbubble. They look after all of the manufacturing and distribution. They do an amazing job, great point of sale service and great service if you need it beyond the point of sale as well. Really, really great company with great quality products. We always get emails from people who have bought things from the shop saying how much they love the quality and how comfortable the apparel is as well. Now, we have seven great designs in the shop that you can apply to all kinds of different products. For example, t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, travel mugs for coffee, phone cases, print and artworks, tote bags, and also masks to be extra COVID safe. Now we have some really cool designs going on. Let me tell you, we got seven designs that we've put together ourselves in-house designed by the MJ cast. And our most popular design by far is our classic sunset logo. We get multiple emails per week from Redbubble notifying us that different people all around the world have bought this particular product. Uh, and we we couldn't be prouder because people are out there wearing MJ cast shirts and 
and drinking out of MJ Cast cups, and it's just a super proud moment for us to see our logo on different things like that. So, yeah, if you want to rep the MJ Cast, grab that one for sure. Uh, our second design is called Nine Logos. It's got all nine of our seasonal logos in one spot in a grid pattern, and uh, they're things like our Halloween logo, Christmas logo. Valentine's Day logo, all of those, and and just in one spot there. Uh, we also have some great Helvetica typography list style designs. Those include things like the Jacksons T-shirt, which have all the Jackson brothers' first names right there on the design. Captain EO characters, and all of Michael Jackson's solo album names as well, right in one spot. And there's two new recent additions to the store too, two designs. One of them is called the Pixel Tour and the other is called Victory. Both of these are inspired heavily by 80s retro uh, aesthetics and and are all about this, this cool pixel art design. I really love pixel art. I used to play classic adventure games back in the 90s. Uh, on my PC, and they had a lot of little pixel characters in them, which inspired these designs. Now, the first one, the Pixel Tour, is uh, uh, one I really wanted to bring to life for a long time, and it's got Michael standing there in all of his opening tour costumes from victory all the way through to history in that pixel retro style. It looks super cool and I'd recommend checking it out. And uh, also we have another one called Victory, which is really similar, except it's got all of the Jackson brothers in their costumes from the Victory Tour uh, standing next to each other in pixel art style. Super cool. Now, if you do decide to grab something from the mjcast.com slash shop, all proceeds go to show running costs, charity donations, and new equipment to keep our podcast sounding as great as it can. Running costs have increased a lot over the years for us. Now in 2020, we are spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars every year just to keep the MJ cast going. So it really means a lot to us when listeners can sort of just give a little back and uh, enable us to keep the show going smoothly. Uh, so please do go over to the mjcast.com shop to check out what we've got on offer. It's all about promoting Michael Jackson in public and the MJ cast as well, all at the same time. And you know what? Who knows? There might be some great things on there you want to consider to get as gifts for your MJ fan friends. Really would love you to go to the mjcast.com slash shop, check it out, see the great products we've got on offer there. Thank you to all of the listeners who have already bought something from there and helped to continue supporting the MJ cast. Thank you. We do still have a couple of things to talk about. Not only have there been lots of leaks this year and lots of remixes come out, but the MJ fan community is super duper lucky because this year we have received four new Michael Jackson podcasts. Whoa. And what another one to come a... as well, actually, that wow. I know about. But Yes, <laughs> like what a environment that we live in now what content we get oh incredible can i can i talk about the first one you talk about the first one imagine a documentary on the creation and the evolution up until the release of the biggest selling album of all time thriller hearing directly from Michael and people that
that worked with him to create Thriller. Can you imagine an audio documentary of that scale? Because you have got it. The Genesis of Thriller by Damien Shields is next level. It is so good. It is like, it is up there with the John Cameron music documentary series. It is so good. You've got to listen to it. You'll love it. It's incredible. Damien, well done. Yeah, Damien totally nailed it with this one. Knocked it out of the park. It is just, I can't remember how long it is. I think it's just over an hour or something like that. But it is an incredible journey through the creative process leading up to Thriller. You hear about the inspirations behind a lot of the different tracks on there. Uh, You hear demo versions of songs. Beautiful voiceover work by Damien narrating the whole thing, talking about the origins of all the songs. It is just a masterpiece journey through the creation of Thriller. And it's something that's timeless. It's totally timeless. It's like the best documentary that exists on Thriller and Mm -hmm. created by one of our friends. Mm -hmm. Ridiculous. It's incredible. If this is like the level of content and production that Damien can do with this, there's more to come and it's going to be great. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Damien hasn't kept it a secret that he's working on the Casio podcast. The trailer's already out. It's called Faking Michael. Uh, I'd strongly suggest that you subscribe to that because on you know one of these days in the future, Damien's going to drop the Faking Michael podcast. And you and I have both heard bits and pieces of what he's been working on, and it is amazing as well. So... Lots of good stuff to come from Damo. Yep. Check it out. The Genesis of Thriller. The links in the show notes. But oh, if you've missed it, you're missing out. Go get it. How much is it, by the way? How much is it to listen to? Oh, that's right. It's free. Yeah. Yeah. Hello. Totally free. free. All right. Next <laughs> up. Go for it. Okay. The next one is super cool. I was so glad to see this because with us at the MJ cast slowing down a little bit to do kind of an episode a month instead of every two weeks. It's been hard to do regular episodes where we cover every news topic. Well, there's a solution for you as a listener because there's a great new podcast out called MJ News Digest. And this podcast is done by a UK guy uh, and his name is Tony. Uh, He does a really good job. There's short podcasts, which is nice. It'll get you through your drive to work and back, one sitting kind of thing. Uh, His latest one is a uh, retrospective kind of news piece on the passing of Bruce Swedee, and I think it only goes for 10 minutes. And he does frequent episodes, so it's not sort of like once every two weeks or once a month. It's like every couple of days he's putting something out with all the latest news. So I'd strongly recommend to subscribe to this one to get your MJ News Fix on the regular so is this um, a companion podcast to the YouTube channel or is it the well, YouTube channel audio put onto podcast platforms? No, no. So what it is is he's got his YouTube videos, which are not – his normal YouTube videos are not going into this podcast feed. But so the episodes he makes for the podcast feed, he also puts onto his YouTube channel. But there's sort of two different things he does now. He does his YouTube videos and wow. then podcast news updates. And so the podcast this is on like Apple both. Podcasts and that kind of thing. 
It's every yeah, it's everywhere. That's so Spotify. cool. I did not know about this. <laughs> Thank you for that. That is yeah, because I knew the YouTube channel and have enjoyed some of those. Um, uh, yeah, this so, is. I encouraged yeah, him to cool. do this. I was oh, like, dude, well, you got to do this. Tony he did it. <laughs> coming through. XO8, yeah. new listener, Tony. Thank you very much. Yeah, Tony's the man. And he also, you know, the cool thing about Tony is, it's kind of funny, but he doesn't just give MJ news updates. He kind of gives news updates on the goings-on of the Michael Jackson fan communities. Oh, I remember. So, oh, my God. Yeah. So <laughs> sometimes when there's like... Sometimes when there's controversy and blow up, he covers it. Overreaction, hello. He covers it, but the cool thing is he goes and talks to the people that the thing happened about. So an example of that would be the Loving Neverland documentary that came out on YouTube, which has some really great things about it. Don't get me wrong. There's some really, really good things about it, and I can't wait for the second version. But we kind of got into a spot of trouble because uh, one of my friends on Twitter was talking about it, Ashley, and uh, didn't tag the creator. She just made a comment about loving Neverland. And I just, from my personal account, replied to her and said, yeah, uh, just get ready for five hours of robot voice because that's Mm. what there is in loving Neverland. And you Um, were not the only person to say those (laughs) exact things, by the way. But um, yes, yeah, so at the MJ cast, we've never shied away from giving our honest opinion about other fan projects, and sometimes they are not perfect. I mean, they're fan projects for, you know, they're, they're called that for a reason because fans make them and they have limitations yeah. around Hot tip, production. MJ cast is a fan project as well and gets Absolutely. criticism. So we do. People come on, yeah. people go on Twitter and say, oh, what was with this? What was with that? And that's just a part and parcel of being a creator. So I said that, and then the the the... The creator of it took offense and, you know, fired back with some tweets uh, that were, you know, you know, emotional, very emotional. But the whole thing then developed into this crazy situation where this woman in America was abusing me on Twitter and she created this podcast episode just about the whole situation and I didn't listen to all of it, but the parts I did listen to was very, very... Just, oh my God, like she was talking about people coming to find me where I live. You know, on Twitter, she was calling me a a racist and a sexist and it just absolutely blew out of control. I was actually quite worried, to be honest, for the first time running the MJ cast around, you know, crazy social media people Um, and they're out there. (laughs) It makes me very hesitant to give my real opinion on things, to be honest, on Twitter because you see what happens when you do that. It just just stokes the fire of these irrational, lonely people who want to verbally attack you. They don't even know you. They don't even talk to you. They just go online and want to drag your name through the mud and, and make threats and accuse you of things. And it's actually really quite confronting. And, yeah, that is a something that I am not used to dealing with. I mean, Nan, the creator of loving neverland and i have since sorted everything out we've had dms and you know reached a a definite common ground i guess i should say on the whole situation and uh things are looking great and i'm looking forward to being able to promote the second version of the film when it comes out 
And actually, I know the person who's doing some of the narration for it. And uh, can I just say, I'm really excited to hear what it's going to sound like because this particular person cares a lot about, you know, audio quality and making sure it sounds great. So they're, they're collaborating with some really, really good people. Yeah, it was awesome to see that resolution. Yeah, but... but yeah, the, then the, you ended up in a whole episode of uh, MJ News Digest YouTube channel with all the tweets <laughs> getting read out. <laughs> so uh, if you like yeah, Twitter drama, you can go do watch that on YouTube. But Tony, the reason I tell that story is yeah. because Tony goes and talks to the people where drama happens so he can include their real thoughts and opinions in the reporting. It is a little bit like sort of dramery, but it's cool as well because the MJ community can be pretty complicated and following him helps you understand the players in the community and how everything's going. So, yeah, he's good. Nice. But I'm looking forward now knowing that there's this news podcast. Uh, that will be really cool, especially because they're short episodes. I can put them as like little buffers between other long episodes now that I'm commuting back to work again. Well, that's exactly what I do. Yeah. yeah. Nice work. Cool. Okay, so Kai Dansberg, a big-time German fan. He's a remixer as well. I remember Kai. Yeah, he did that awesome yeah. privacy remix. Oh, man, wicked. Yeah, yeah. So he has launched the world's first German Michael Jackson podcast, and it's called Der Michael Jackson Podcast. And they are releasing episodes like rapid fire, like season one MJ cast styles. And it's they're long episodes and I don't understand what they're saying in it because I can't speak German, but they sound amazing, the production quality. And I bet all German MJ fans are super stoked to have that one as well. Congratulations, Kai. I'm so happy to hear this news. That's awesome. Well done. That's, yeah, I'm really proud of you, man. That's awesome. Uh, and this one, everyone knows JD of History in the Mix, but did you know that his YouTube channel is now available as an audio podcast on podcast apps, which is great for me because unlike Damien Shields, who drives around listening to YouTube with his paid YouTube subscription, the only <laughs> subscription that that kid has is actually YouTube, so no ads for him, I can't do that, so... I only listen to like audio podcasts and now um, the audio from JD's videos are released as a podcast feed, which is really cool. And I'm very happy about that. So well done, JD. Still living the dream. Yeah, that is awesome. Uh, I love this show as well. JD's great. He's hilarious. Uh, he'll have you in stitches while also giving you the latest commentary on the goings on in the MJ world. So subscribe yes. to History in the Mix. And then there's another one we want to talk about, oh but it's God. totally not a new podcast. It's been around since I think Q, when was it? Since straight after Leaving Neverland? Yes, since Leaving Neverland, that is what inspired these amazing ladies into action. We are, of course, talking about the Black Jackson Estate podcast. Now, Jamin, I don't know, last year was a crazy year. Did we? Did someone tell us about this and we maybe reported on it in the news and then I just never was able to, you know, catch up and listen to it? I can't remember, but I feel so guilty that I slept on this for a year or more and really only in the last couple of months have like, oh my God, this is exactly what was needed. 
I wasn't really aware of the show until this year, I don't think. Maybe we heard about it. I don't know. But I think I heard about their Twitter account maybe last year, but I hadn't really listened or heard about the show. And now that I've got it, it's in my feed. And oh my goodness, their latest episode, the one about Randy Jackson, is just phenomenal and hilarious. It all kind of stems around a controversial tweet he made in support of President Trump and then Janet Jackson's alleged support of his position by uh, a reply that she gave, I think, on Instagram to something he did as well. And it was uh, <laughs> that was the starting point of the episode. But then they, they looked into the political positions of some of the Jackson family members and really did a big deep dive into Randy Jackson's personal history and professional history so that listeners can really understand what he's like and and why he you know how he may have arrived at that position after so long and and of course a position that they don't support and and neither do I uh, in any sense but it was a, an informative episode it was hilarious and so real with their opinions like you said definitely a welcome voice in the in the podcast community and I can't wait to listen to many more of their episodes moving forward so real yeah, if you don't like hearing MJ opinions, like from fans, like a real opinions on Michael and, you know, lip syncing and his wigs and stuff like that, then this isn't the show for you because, like, I always thought the MJ cast was really authentic and real, but ladies of the Black Jackson estate, it is real. And I so appreciate it and I love them for it. Oh, my God. So good. For sure. And we've talked to them already about doing a sort of a, a collaboration at some point <gasps> in the future, which is going to be awesome. Yes. Oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> I'll come well, to I'm that sure party. You, yeah, come to that party, Q. Join I'll us for that, that episode. <laughs> and then you need to do a mega catch-up party with the ladies from Black Jackson Estate and ladies from the Janet Jackson podcast it's Janet. A huge can you, can you imagine that would be <laughs> the most fun ever it would be like pretty cool the, the cousins the ladies and mj cast oh my god but folks i cannot recommend enough tuning into the black jackson estate i just finished their history it was a two-part episode about the history anniversary this year i've been yeah i've been playing catch up i went right back to the start listening to all of them now. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I just want to hang out with those ladies, but I learned so much. The, the black perspective is, was so needed, was so needed in the podcast community. And, oh man, they could have been on your history round table. They would have been perfect. Absolutely. Yeah. For sure. Oh, and that's one I'm of the so reasons sorry, I don't ladies. think I knew about them till recently. Because mm. had I known about them, I probably would have asked them in For June. sure. Yeah. So, yeah. I yeah it kind of came out of nowhere for us, but we will certainly be supporting them moving forward. Massively. Please do a graphic with like your all your logos together of the podcasts. Good idea. There you go. There's your little project. I know you love projects like that. <laughs> But yeah, definitely um, one of my absolute favorite MJ content creators is definitely now the Black Jackson Estate. And ladies, my love to you, my thanks, my gratitude for what you're doing. 
I love it. Keep it up. Just keep it real. It is so awesome. Cute. Yeah. We are getting towards the end of our show. You know me. I like to waffle on. (laughs) Oh, man. It's been so much fun. But, you know, we all love your opinions. We all love your thoughts of different things. And I know that since the end of last year, you've actually started as well a public Twitter account. You always used to have a private one, but now you have a public one. So if people want to hear from you and hear your amazing, awesome, real opinions, where can they find you? What was the cue? Oh, that's right. That's actually my handle. What was the cue? (laughs) There you go. So it's on um, Twitter and I'm also on Instagram. So yes, I just, it's, if my parents don't follow me on this account, so it's a bit more <laughs> real. <laughs> There's some more thirst trap treats and stuff like that. Not me, other people. Um, so yeah, so that's me on Twitter and Instagram. I don't really know, like, am I meant to follow people back? Like, if you want me to follow you back, if you're a private account, I can never tell. Like, okay, thanks for following me. You're a private account. Am I meant to follow you back? I have no idea. So if you want me to follow back, then just ask, I guess. If your account's really boring, I'll just put it on mute. But <laughs> what? I like to curate my feed. Oh, I so have... do we. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you did a big yeah. cleanup this year, which was oh, massive job, a... huge job. God, I... my head hurts even thinking about that. But I like what I want in my feed is very specific content and i have lists as well lots of lists that are like private some are public lists as well but um i use lists on twitter especially but yeah i did probably get a bit burnt out with social media stuff after last year and it took me a little while to figure out what to do with those public accounts that you encouraged me to start loving instagram really fun learned a lot this year for Instagram stories are great. I see Twitter now doing a stupid version of Instagram stories. Like what the hell? It's really not good yet, (laughs) but yeah, I still like social media. Sometimes I have a little break where I might not tweet much for a few days and I just have a little, not detox, but just a little break. But yeah, that's me. You can find me, follow me if you want. Lord and Michael, Disney stuff. It was great during the election. Holy hell, you're so lucky I was not on the MJ car social media during the election, (laughs) man. Why don't you tell people where they can tune into the MJ cast right now? Of course. They can hear us at themjcast.com. If they want to stream us directly on the website, they can find us on Apple Podcasts, uh, which is at this point where you kind of want to go if you've got an Apple device. If you don't have an Apple device, there's heaps of Android apps you can hear us on. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on Amazon Podcasts, Spotify. We're all over the place. And of course, in addition to listening to us as a podcast, you can find the MJ Cast on lots of social media platforms. We are the MJ Cast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you want to, you can also email us at themjcast at iCloud.com. We absolutely love hearing from listeners all over the world once they've engaged with our episodes and want to give us feedback. And it's just great to hear from you guys. Sometimes I stop and think about you talk about being burnt out at the end of last year. And, you know, you did so much work around the MJCast social media. I still don't understand how you were able to just daily process the volume coming in and especially some of the negativity. 
hardcore hardcore yeah it was <laughs> i'm lucky that i have a job which doesn't really allow me and and being a dad as well like it it's just a reality that i can't engage with social media daily i can't i'll get to the end of a week and then i'm like cool i'm gonna hit twitter and then i've got like days of things i haven't seen so so um, do, when, when you do yeah. that do you just do you just hit up your mentions and go cool who's mentioned me let me look at that and then do you just sort of start from there well, no, see, because I don't really like the Twitter app, the main Twitter app, I don't really use it. So I use Tweetbot. Me too. 100% me too. Which is, you know, chronologically. So I yeah, like to engage with that because it's so worth it. Yes. So I like to engage with Twitter chronologically to see all the tweets as they happened, you know, in the right order. But yep. the, the drawback of that is that you have thousands of bloody tweets that pile up all in the right order. So if I don't stay on top of Twitter every day, then it just backs up to be thousands of tweets that I'm missing. And then I have like FOMO OCD. And then I just bail from it altogether for days at a time. Cause I'm like, Oh, it's too much for me to read. And also so, it only um, will actually do like, I think a maximum of like four days or something. Like if you miss yeah. more than that, you can't actually scroll back further. So I think for me, sometimes the main Twitter app might actually be better if I've missed Twitter for a few days because then it'll show me the main ones. Hmm, maybe I should use What both. about your mentions? I use both for different things. Like My mentions don't work one. properly. They, they oh, ju- that's genuinely right. You've got some don't work. Fault that I've never heard I've of. got it's some crazy. weird bug. No, no, other people have it. So there's this guy I follow on social media, Renee Ritchie. He's a big tech podcaster and he's got the same thing so i don't know what it is no one's been able to figure it out for me but i see the mentions from people i follow and i see most of my mentions from people who don't follow but there's a large portion of mentions that i never ever see unless i tap on the original tweet and then it shows me all the replies so i don't see a lot of the stuff that comes my way even if you at me it's really weird. I've never been able to figure it out. It's kind of useful sometimes if people are flamed. You know, but... <laughs> Maybe that's what happened. Maybe you got flamed so much that it just burnt out those circuits. <laughs> oh, thank God. Anyway, anyway. So, yeah, I, I reckon people should follow you for sure because I love the content that comes out of your account, especially when big MJ stuff happens. Like, you don't hold back with your thoughts. You're real. Well, no and, one should um, hold back. God, just be yourself, oh. people. Well, sometimes stop you being a fence sitter faker and just like legit have an opinion. <laughs> yeah. Why do some people do that? Why do some people fence sit? Do you think? Because they don't want to upset some of their audience, and mm. then it's like, well, that's not very genuine. So it's not real life, is it? Imagine if no. everyone just ran around only saying things they thought wouldn't upset people. No, no. Not for me. Well, it has been amazing to have you. It's been amazing having you back on the MJ cast, dude. It's been way too long and we can't let it be this long again. (laughs) Okay. Well, man, I have to say I do feel rusty as hell. (laughs) I remembered how to plug in all my crazy wire set up with the M&M dispenser stand holding things and hopefully the audio quality is good. I remembered that bit, but I was like, oh, my God, I haven't hosted co-hosted or been on anything like this for like a year crazy you're amazing oh thanks for having me back and stay awesome and you know what i always say 
Michael on. Well, I guess I better use my sign-off too. Keep Michaeling. Thank you for my birthday present of my MJ Cast t-shirt. Oh, that's okay, man. No problem. I'm glad you liked it. Oh my God. That design is so cute <laughs> and I love it. I love the little uh, era MJs right from like, what's the first one? What's the, the is it? Victory. Victory? Yeah, yeah. Right Victory, up until Jam bad. Jacket and then Scream, oh. Scream Outfit, History Tour, Scream Outfit. I'm like, oh, it's so cute. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, uh, you helped out with the jam jacket design. You got it looking just right. So thank you. Uh, it was like two <laughs> pixels, literally two pixels. <laughs> so necessary, though. They were necessary pixels. <laughs> it turned out awesome. It printed out great. My T-shirt is a black T-shirt and it's really, yep. really looks good on it with the, the purple background. And then I have my favorite one. Mm-hmm. I have to say sorry, but. That's I love okay. it, is the, the Dawn logo, like the sunset oh, yeah. sort of logo. The Oh, love it. And I've got it on a bright blue T-shirt. It is brighter blue than I sort of expected when it was ordered. But, oh, my God, it looks so good. And I you can you get a darker see photos. One. You can, but this bright one, it just really pops. And it looks good. Have, it does. And I have to say... It got a, it caught a lot of eyes when I wore that around Brisbane early this week. It really did catch a lot of eyes. No one stopped and asked me about it, but I saw a lot of people like looking at the t-shirt. So yeah, nailed it. That one is really one of my favorite. I'm going to wear that one out. I'm sure. Like I really am careful when I wash it and I don't put it through the dryer anymore. I air dry it only on a coat hanger in um in a my ironing room yeah. because I really want it to last. They shrink when you when you put them in the dryer, like like all clothes really do. Yeah, and things are tight enough for me this already this year. Oh, my God. COVID <laughs> weight. What about COVID, man? We haven't, you haven't been on the show since COVID happened, but what an insane year. It really has been. And, like, I have been very lucky, really. Firstly, we're in Australia. Secondly, we're in Western Australia. So our state premier shut our border to all the other states very early on. And then at the time, he even shut, because our state is like, you think Texas is big? No, you got nothing on Western Australia, buddy. Um, He even shut regions of our state. So you couldn't even travel to different regions of our state earlier this year. Saying that, We've been very lucky in our state. They've spent so much money. The mining companies have spent so much money keeping the mining industry going and safe with massive testing set up at the airport for the mine workers, the FIFO workers. And that has kept 
um, Perth base for the airline I fly for really chugging along. But it has not been without its hiccups when there's been different flare-ups in states. And when I say flare-ups over here, I say, like, at the most, you know, a few thousand flare-ups in Melbourne was the worst case for Australia. But in Adelaide yeah. this week, there was a flare-up of, like, 22 cases. And yeah. then they shut the border from our state to South Australia retrospectively as well, which is where I got caught up in it. So I'm currently on home quarantine for 14 days because of a flight I did last weekend, which was my first flight back after some annual leave and then another week of not working. So I've been caught up in that and I'm not allowed to leave the house, have to sort of self-isolate within the house. And then I'm only allowed to leave the house to go to work, but I'm not allowed to fly in my own state. I'm only allowed to fly interstate hence why I've been to Brisbane twice this week. But then once I got into quarantine, on my second trip to Brisbane, I wasn't allowed to leave the room. But on the first visit, I was allowed to leave the room. Oh my God, our current crew hotel in Brisbane, I'd been there to the outside of it in November 1996 when Michael Jackson was here on the History World Tour. And I was one of the screaming fans with a little cardboard <laughs> sign that I'd made down below. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, this is like, talk about full circle moment. Now I'm staying here for work. Amazing. I asked the staff and the concierge, like, oh, is there like a sort of plaque or photo anywhere from when Michael Jackson stayed here? And he said, oh, actually there is up on that floor, the, the penthouse floor, there's um, a sort of photo, two big photo frames that show different VIPs that have stayed there. So Prince, Beyonce, like a lot of people, um, Dinah Kroll, who else? There were so many, I can't even remember. But Michael was on this sort of photo board. They used um, not photos of when they were at the hotel, just like press shots. This was like a bad album cover press shot. But then the concierge said, just ask if anyone's staying in the Stamford suite at the moment and if they're not they could give you a tour so I did and they were available and amazing staff took me up and gave me a tour of the suite Michael Jackson stayed in in 1996 now I'm sure they've probably changed some of the furniture and refurbished it somewhat in that like 25 years but I got to sort of see the balcony where Michael stood and waved over. And it's a tall hotel. I've taken you to the outside of it. It is a tall yes. hotel. I think that's the like above the 20th floor. So Michael, when he was at the top, was like a little tiny dot in a red shirt. And But he saw my sign and pointed at it from that height. And then I got to go and see <laughs> his perspective looking down at that little sort of park next to the hotel, next to the Brisbane River. And it was so cool. And got to see, you know, like there's a, grand piano that gets tuned every month in that room a little kitchen and 180 degree views of like the story bridge all that direction around to the right of brisbane incredible so special it was so it was special. amazing and then you caught up with one of our listeners rebecca yes caught up with beck that was good fun and then um like you showed me the festival towers sort of photo there used to be a theater called festival towers in brisbane where festival hall 
Festival Hall, sorry, it's now called Festival Towers because it's an apartment and office building, I believe. But yeah. they've got this amazing sort of tribute to Festival Hall, the former theatre that was on the site where, you know, Muhammad Ali, the Beatles, um, Liberace, like even Silverchair and more modern acts had performed at. And the J5 had performed there, I think, in 1973. It was and very early on, wasn't it? It was... Yeah. Really yeah. cool. So I showed Beck that and that was good fun. Awesome. But yeah. Uh, well, yeah, shout out to Beck. <laughs> um, how's things with your work? Died uh, down a little bit? Because you were like doing lesson plans for remote teaching and all that oh, kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah, it's been a wild year. It's uh, been difficult as a teacher because I've watched all of my friends be supported by the government um, to be able to continue, you know, isolating at home. Whereas teachers have a very different reality. We're very lucky in that we've got work and we've got our jobs and security, but that's come at the cost of having no choice but to go in front up to hundreds of people every day. So I've felt this year very vulnerable to bringing COVID home to my family. Luckily, like you were saying, the Queensland Premier, uh, Anastasia Palaszczuk, has done a really great job at keeping everything safe in, in Australia and played hardball against our Prime Minister, who would have oh, rather everything be opened. Such um, bullies. I know, I know. So, you know, I've been, yeah, going to work every day and, and like all teachers around the world, you know, shout out to Sean Shackelford, he'll know about this reality. But um, it's kind of, you know, remote, te- it was remote teaching for a good two to three months of planning lessons and, and delivering online. I got my podcast skills on and, you know, kind of did a lot of voiceover work over my existing lesson PowerPoints instead of, I, I chose not to do a lot of live Zoom interaction with students. I did more pre-recorded stuff on PowerPoint. And I got so much great feedback from the kids and the parents. I got feedback from parents who were like, oh, I'm really loving your lesson, Mr. Ball. I'm enjoying doing it with the kids. That's <laughs> so, cool. Yeah, yeah. It's been a wild year, but things kind of got back to normal for us, you know, in June. Um, so since then, it's kind of just been normal teaching. A few little changes with making sure to use, you know, social distancing and hand sanitizer and everything with the kids in the classroom, even, you know, sort of now, but... Oh, it's just had a huge impact, I think, this year. And, and not only on the world broadly, but even just, you know, we talk about mental health um, being, you know, a huge, have, having been impacted by COVID. And I certainly have felt that way for me and in my family as well. COVID really has just the amount of time that we haven't been able to do things we would normally do and just... I don't know. It's It's been a tough year for that reason, I think. Um, and I'm certainly looking forward to the vaccine and, and, and a more positive 2021. <laughs> it has to be. like, And don't rely on 2021 to make a, itself a positive year, people. That's all up to you. Like, work with what yes. you've got and make it a better year. Like, people yep. have already started now in the US with the election. People turned out in force and are like, enough is enough. We need to make change. We need to make this a better situation. Like you got a couple of months of crazy burning down a house on the way out to not look forward to, but to endure. But, um, you know, people have started like, no, enough. We need to fix what we can control. And that's what you do. What you can control, 
work on that. Whatever you can't control, don't worry about it. Don't stress. Just go with it. But yeah. what you can control, work on that. Yeah, and I know the, the US politics is something you're particularly passionate about. It's something you tweet about a lot. You would have been, I'm assuming, very glued to everything that's been going on in the last month in the States. Hugely, yeah, pretty much. Like really trying to keep on top of stuff. And But I think you would find it as well. Like that's what people over here in an unrelated country, yes, we're an ally, but really unrelated country like even my parents would talk about it. We were at a mm. cafe and the table next to us were talking about the election results. And I think maybe from a, a country that is an ally to the US and that a lot of us have friends over there. So we've watched the last four years in shock and horror and just like bewilderment. Like what the heck is going on over there? Like, it was just a horror show to watch from the outside. This, like, you know, once great country become the laughing stock and the the joke, but also the dangerous place it has become, especially, like, with COVID. You know, it has been the topic of conversation the world over, but you would, you would have found that as well. I certainly have, yeah, and it's... It's been a, it's been kind of horrifying to watch from the outside and very sad to see the especially as a history um, teacher I think you would have that amazing perspective looking at history unfold and in ways history repeat itself from past people that have used these plays in the past I think the most terrifying thing has been watching Donald Trump be able to get away with so many obvious lies to the public and just continue on as if everything's fine. Like that that really and even you know we mustn't forget that even though Joe Biden won that election with a 6 million lead in the popular vote yeah. Donald Trump received more votes than any other president or candidate in history other than Joe Biden, which yeah, is exactly. in itself like, terrifying. That's a mess. Terrifying. That is... Oh, so, so I don't understand how many people, that. that many people could come out and support somebody who is such an obvious liar and such an obvious negligent individual. Like the, I don't think there's any doubt in anyone's mind really that, or there shouldn't be any doubt that there is blood on his hands. Absolute negligence. Like at the moment, COVID is killing, I think every day and a half killing the amount of people that died in the nine 11 terror attacks. Mm -hmm. And you saw mm -hmm. that country come together after those horrific nine 11 attacks and that is happening every day and a half over there, not from a terrorist act, from a, a virus that these deaths can be prevented. And it's like they've just, they gave up a long time ago and they're not going to be doing anything else to help that situation until the, the next administration. And it's like, it's just tragic beyond belief. And my heart... I know that you guys will have listeners that will have been personally affected 
by deaths and sickness caused by COVID-19. And my heart absolutely goes out to those listeners who has been affected by it and lost people. I, it's just a horrific and tragic situation that you should be very angry about. That's exactly it. And, and, and there is no doubt that the president knew about the dangers of this and ignored it early on in its spread. So it's terrifying to me that the amount of people that still supported him in the election. And what concerns me as well is when um, Joe Biden takes office and then attempts to implement lockdowns and more forceful measures, which is the only way. I mean, this is the thing. We've seen it unfold. We've seen it unfold in Australia, Q, and we know from experience in Australia that the only way to beat it is really tough lockdown measures that last months. And that's what happened in Melbourne. There was a huge flare-up a a couple of months ago. And famously, the Premier had to basically go into battle with the Prime Minister and ignore our federal leaders' instructions and and keep that state in lockdown. And it worked. And they haven't had any cases for weeks and weeks. It's the only way to beat it short of having a vaccine. And that's Australia's second biggest city. Like, that is not a small population. That is millions and millions and millions of people. So I don't understand, honestly, looking at the way that the American population functions and how, like, let's be real, a lot of Americans do not like being told what to do. I don't know how it's going to work there when the government tries to enforce the only strategy that we know works. Yeah, it's not going to be smooth sailing. Like, the mess that Biden and Harris have to walk into to attempt to try and repair the damage done is just like literally sort of like a war zone it's really crazy like it and you know if there are if hello if there's any listeners actually still listening at this point thank you (laughs) if you are if you are in georgia in the state of georgia in the u.s or know people in georgia you need to immediately Get them to enroll to vote in the upcoming, I'm not sure what sort of election it is, but it is for, um, I think, senators in Georgia. Two positions are up at the same time and you need to vote in that election, folks, because those two positions are going to be key moving on to have like reparative progress, like where things are able to try and get on track to be repaired and to be fixed in the whole of the US. So if you know anyone in Georgia, please just ensure they are enrolled and prepared to vote in the upcoming Georgia election. Watching this whole insanity unfold over the past couple of months has really reminded me how lucky we are as Australians that everybody has to vote. You don't have a choice. Everyone has to go and vote on election days, federally and state and local. We can rest knowing in Australia that every time there's an election, it's a fair one. It's handled centrally by the Australian Electoral Commission, unlike America, where it's sort of like every state does its thing. Uh, We live in a very, very lucky country, Q. We really do in so many ways. Oh, my God. America, stay strong. But... Just be safe. Everyone out there, just be safe, please. Yeah. We've, uh, you know, the vaccine's coming. 
It's uh, they're saying that March is when there'll be a massive rollout starting late this year, but then by March it looks like it'll be spread far and wide. And um, it's difficult at the moment. You know, this past couple of weeks for me especially, I think the thing we need to realise is that COVID by itself, in terms of mental health, COVID by itself isn't going to come along and make your mental health worse. (laughs) It may if you get it. But the thing is, if you have, like you said before, if you have other things that come along in your life, it just makes dealing with those other things so much harder. You know, I think about people that have lost loved ones and they're unable to visit each other, to support each other. Um, it's just makes everything so much more complex. And this past couple of weeks in my family, I don't really want to say specifics, but, you know, it's been two of the hardest weeks of my life. And boy... Am I appreciative of your support that you've offered me? And and I can't wait for next year when it's going to be a positive one. Because like you said, I'm going to make it a positive one. It's going to be awesome. Make it a positive one. So, like, <laughs> yeah, don't forget, people are dealing with stuff not only with COVID. So at this point, you know, community is such an important thing for everyone. Reach out, check on people, just a text message like, hey, how you doing? You know, they might be yeah dealing with lockdown or something, but maybe they've also just gone through a breakup. Like, hey, how's things? How you going? Do you want to do you want to have a chat? Do you want to talk about it? Do you want to watch a, like a movie or whatever? Even like you watch it over there, you watch it at your house, you text each other while you're watching it. Just like reach out and check on people and communicate because, like, it's so cliche. Yes, you're not alone. But you've got to just, for love. Like, be open to it and reach out. And it is. It's all for love. 